welcome to episode 113 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this show episode is... Whatever it is. <laughs> what is this thing that we do is called Awards and Game Awards, as we'll be talking about both Dimension Remastered and our in-person trip to the uh, Game Awards here in Los Angeles last week. And you see, Dimension is set in Hospital Wars. That's where the wards of the title comes from. It's very... Point A to point B, connect the dots. But, uh, yeah, so we have all that coming up later in the show. Impressions of both things. Uh, and there's also a lot of news we're going to be discussing, including Minecraft finally being confirmed for Wii U, but not quite how people expected it to be. There's our speculation what the final Smash video presentation will be come Tuesday. There's uh, MPD numbers for November. And, oh, yeah, we also have the winner of our $35 eShop anniversary giveaway or our anniversary eShop credit giveaway, which will be at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. And for everything else, there's timestamps on the blog post for this episode over at ramtown.com. But before we get to any of that, um, we're going to take a kind of bigger picture look at Nintendo as a whole and their future, courtesy of some interviews from both Nintendo's new president and from good old standby Reggie fils um, as well as discuss some very interesting leaked patents from Nintendo that kind of indicate what might be going on with that next. So, we're kicking off with that. Um, I guess we could just jump right into it. Use the timestamps, like I said, or just, here we go. Strap in for the whole ride. Um, so, Time Magazine somehow nabbed the world's first interview with Tatsumi Kimishima, Nintendo's new global president, the replacement for Iwata. And he discussed some interesting stuff about Nintendo's future. So, 2016 right around corner, it seems like it'd be kind of fitting to finally talk about that. So, um, let's... I guess the, uh, the, the first thing I want to say, actually, after, after I did two Let's Talk About Right Now, so I'm going to backtrack for a sec, and say <laughs> first, I don't know what it was about these interviews, but Kimishima himself, like, it, this left a very positive impression for me of him. Like, I, I, I highly recommend that anyone who hasn't read it goes to, we have links on the blog post to these articles, and I highly recommend you click those links, because it's actually really interesting, like, just you kind of get to know him and what he is. Like, one of the big concerns I think a lot of people had when Kimishima was first. You know what? Well, I was going to say that he, <laughs> he sounds very well-rounded. Yeah, I yeah. Like, I like that, like, uh, I don't know, he likes to look at it from a few different perspectives. It's not it's not very, well, it's just not one-sided. Yeah. So, know, yeah, because, like, the thing was, what I was going to say is, you know what, like, a lot of people um, looked at him as like, oh, he's this bean counter businessman. He's going to just be driven by profit exclusively, yada, yada, yada. But then he comes into this interview and he's like, yeah, it's a business sense. But at the same time, like, I understand I don't know every position, which is why we have the fellows. It's why we're doing the um, the three in charge. I forgot what the name for that is. Tri- tri- the Triforce. The Triforce of Nintendo. <laughs> it's why they're doing that because um, he's like, well, I can do the business and me and Mo can be the creative. And not just for games. He's a creative fellow that means anything creative on a high level looking towards the future he's doing, which includes regular meetings with Universal Studios. Miyamoto himself is helping design the rides, which is something interesting. Or attractions. Or attractions, or whatever they may be. And then they also have their hardware guru, who is always behind the scenes, but we never know about him, Kenyo Takeda. He's in charge of the hardware of everything and looking towards the future. So they're pretty well-rounded. And the nice, like you said, and the nice thing about um, Kimishima to me is he actually has proven his work, even though we've never really heard of him until now. He's the guy, I learned through this article, that um, basically turned around the Wii U shortage, or the Wii shortages, and had it be able to sell over two million in one month, two years after it came out, finally, after all those shortages. He's the guy that helped orchestrate Pokemon coming to the West. He's the guy that runs a lot of Nintendo's operations. He was billed as their head of P- uh, HR 
when he became president, but it turns out he did most of their operations stuff, too. So this guy really is the closest we're going to get. Him plus Miyamoto plus uh, Takeda are really the closest we're going to get to the new Iwata. So it's kinda, it, it was reassuring to actually see that they're, you know, having these people in place to actually do the right yeah, job. I remember that's something that um, we were talking about, and the last time when, I guess, when those positions became available, how they were saying, like, oh, Iwata used to be everybody, and now, like, they're just splitting off Iwata into yeah. more focused parts. Which is essentially it, because Iwata was... Iwata was this weird triple threat to me, that, like, there's no one that has the development background, the business background, and the foresight to be able to do things like the DS and Wii. I mean, we, we'll talk about later, but at the Game Awards, Reggie gave what amounted to a public eulogy about Iwata, and was talking about, like, like how many people, like, he was fearless, like, how many people would just be like, sure, let's call it the Wii. Or like, hey, two screens, why not? Like, I was just like, yep, this is gonna work, here's why we're gonna do it, go. So I don't know if they're ever gonna get quite to that level, but it seems like Timishima and company are sticking to this plan that was crafted by Iwata and them, and now they're just following it through. So the question then, of course, becomes, what is this plan? And Iwata first kind of outlined it back in you know, back in the day when he was still doing their financial briefings and everything. And the idea, in a nutshell, which I think th- uh, we'll kind of break down with the patents about the NX and stuff, yep. is uh, they expand Nintendo properties to as many places as humanly possible. They hook people into Nintendo's ecosystem with an account system that you need to do most of these things with their properties. And then that funnels people back into Nintendo's core system. That, in a nutshell, which in co- going forward is going to be the NX. So that, in a nutshell is what Nintendo's doing. In the time review, uh, Kimishima kind of talked about some of these things as isolated things and how they come together. So we're going to start the one that's closest to the hard gamers, which is the NX itself. And to be fair, Kimishima himself didn't say too much about the NX, but he uh, there have been a lot of influx of leaks, and he did say a couple things that will kind of paint an interesting picture. So what he did confirm is, yes, it's still a dedicated gaming machine. Yes, they're still discussing it in 2016. And believe it or not, he has no idea what the NX name means. Apparently, Iwata forgot to tell him before uh, his passing. But, I mean, it's just a code name. It's just a code name. But, I mean, like, Dolphin was because the chip was the Dolphin. And Project Cafe. Project Cafe. You could stir coffee with your Wiimote. Uh, yeah, don't you? Don't you go to Starbucks and just <laughs> dip your Wii, your uh, Wiimote into a Frappuccino? No? You don't? Um, I don't already go to Starbucks. Yeah, me neither, actually. as a poor example. Uh, but and Coffee Bean. I think the Project Cafe one was the idea that, like, I don't know. Oh, it, cafes are a social place, much like the Wii U is going to be a social thing that people gather around, but you do your own thing in them, like the gamepad is the asymmetric uh, asymmetric. That's true, gameplay. a lot of people do go there, but they all take their laptops. It's a social place, really but they're all other. isolated, yeah, yeah. Together but you're, alone. Together alone, alone together, yeah. Um, that might be where it came from, but like Revolution for Wii makes sense. Nitro for 3DS doesn't really make sense, well, yeah, so NX is... So the, Project Cafe wasn't for Wii then? No, Project Cafe was Wii U. Oh, you're right. Uh, and uh, Wii was Revo- Revolution, which yeah. they publicly called Wii it. Wii was Revolution. Yeah, Wii... What, yeah, you just said you back didn't. Oh, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, yes, I the Wii. Wii the Wii. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. The Wii was revolution. Um, but yeah, so we don't know what NX means, but we do know, and this is new information, that Kimishima said it's going to be a clean break from the Wii and the Wii U. Uh, they're making the very conscious choice to, as he put it, quote, move away from those systems. So I think he knows it's a dead end. The Wii brand's a bit dead now. And, poisonous name. Yeah, it, it's kind of poisonous. Yeah, like there's, it's a toxic name. There's not much you can do with it, as proven by the Wii U. So even though some of these patents are about to talk about kind of share some similarities to the Wii U in some weird backwards way, it, it seems like it's going to be its own unique thing, the NX, which is what they need to do in order to turn around. So it makes sense. 
So, um, for the longest time, I think the unique thing they're going to do that we always talked about was the one uh, one OS, one thing that comes in multiple form factors. So they'd be like, oh, you're playing NX at home, you're playing NX on the go, they're both NX, but maybe one's like a crazy handheld and one's a TV like device. Steam. Yeah, it's like a Steam box situation where it's like yeah. you just put it in different forms. That's what we thought it was. But uh, there's a new patent that got leaked that suggests it may actually be a little more of one device with two pieces of equipment, which is kind of interesting. So uh, the thing about patents is you never know if they're actually going to happen. They evolve beyond what they're filed I mean, as. Hasn't, hasn't but, Nintendo always found like, a whole bunch of them? They had like yeah. a... I the, remember the seeing one button. button. <laughs> the yeah. controller with one button. I, I remember seeing one a long time ago that it had like someone riding what looked like an inflatable vehicle source and then it had like a giant screen in front of them mm-hmm. like an inflatable what looked like an inflatable screen and it, it, I guess it looked like their version of the Gran Turismo steering wheel and pedal but it looked like it could have been from Mario Kart and give you like a giant your your own home projector so it yeah. looks like you're driving into something oh that'd be awesome actually yeah see that they pat, they patent all sorts of stuff and honestly it's hard to say if this one becomes real but there is a sliver of something in this I'm patent sure, like, someone like, came up with that idea they're like just patent it like, yeah it's just, just, you just never make know. sure no one steals it but or, no. or just to make money off of it later yeah but this this one at least that one's absurd like who in their right mind be like oh I'm gonna play Wave Race let me just spend 20 minutes <laughs> inflating my jet ski <laughs> accessory but like this one actually kind of matches what I want to say in the past matches what we've heard about the NX and more importantly in the patent it has pretty much a description of what the My Nintendo program is as part of this system so it sounds like at least part of this is for sure living on because it's already been announced so here's what the rest of it is which is actually I find this super interesting and then when coupled with a second patent that was just discovered by NeoGAF the gaming form when you combine these patents you actually get a fully functional system like you have a full this could be the nx in its entirety between these two patents so first up is the kind of nitty-gritty one this is the idea that instead of there being two different devices that you take places what if it's one device and a secondary device so basically how it boils down to is there's gonna be a system that comes in two pieces according to the patent there's a console and there's something that they're calling the quote self-contained computing device and as described in the patent what that means is the console could be any type of computing device it could be a mobile device it could be a semi-mobile thing like the gamepad where it's local but still portable it could be uh stationary it could be semi-stationary meaning like a box under your tv or some sort of wireless thing that beams to your tv so you can move around a room it could even be a wearable it could be literally anything but the idea is you have this central device and then there's the secondary device and they will communicate with each other both short range and long range and depending on how they communicate different things will happen so the console's gonna work uh in the sense that if you're close by, it can process anything at, quote, a nearly real-time speed. In other words, it's sending stuff back and forth like the Wii U does to the gamepad. Mm. And with that, uh, this could include graphics and sound effects. And then if you're further away, it could be more supplementary support for stuff, such as weather effects in a game or artificial intelligence. Those are all examples within the patent. So the idea is that if you're up close, it could basically be a secondary device to control your, to be on, you know, some sort of device at home ties into your TV through that secondary box, and your what was your portable device is now your home device, and then when you're out in the world, it's more like just relaying things back and forth. It almost sounds like it's like you know the Xbox One, it has the Microsoft Cloud backing where like oh we can render 20 times the enemies if you connect to the Microsoft oh, yeah, Azure yeah, Cloud. Yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds like. It can be at long distance at some distances. And then other distances, it can be almost like it's mirroring itself. Like, it can be any amount of transfer, depending on how far you are. So it can be some, like, in other words, it can be, like, uh, 
synchronous or asynchronous. It could either be things that directly go back and forth or things that just kind of push to it remotely, all depending on where it is. So there, you, if you think about it, that makes sense for the next because it's like, hey, if you're out in the world, you're playing a game, but you come home and it does something different now. So it could work. And then it goes on to say in the patent that in theory you could actually have multiple supplemental computing devices daisy-chained. So I doubt this part's going to become real, but in theory you could have like four of those secondary boxes on your TV that act as like your home hub, and you could just like quadruple the power just by daisy-chaining them together. That sounds a little ridiculous. I don't think that part's happening. But everything else sounds reasonable. So like, I guess in other words, to, to sum it up better... Yeah, right? I think to this sum it up... it even more like... It sounds crazy, but... You're right, you're right, it gets crazy. But to sum up, um, just to sum up what I was saying, probably a bit clearer, it's kind of like having a self-contained portable handheld. Like, it's it's so hard to, like, put this in words. It's like having a self-contained portable handheld that's enhanced if you use it at home in conjunction with that box under your TV. Does that make sense? So it's like you buy a 3DS, you come home, you have the Wii U at home, and suddenly your 3DS is, like, doing way more crap than it could ever do before. But when you're at home. And then when you're away, it's the same basic stuff, but it's a scaled-down version. So, like, Animal Crossing, you can do, do chores around your town on the go, come home, it wirelessly hooks, or wired, it can do both, hooks to that box, and then suddenly you're in an MMO Animal Crossing world. You can leave your town from your portable and enter this online space or something yeah, on your yeah, home TV. Yeah, I really how they design certain things, because, like... It's tricky. Yeah, because it's, like... I mean, obviously, it's, like, a... Uh, Horrible example, but it's like kind of going back to that, like, oh, you get 20 more enemies thing. Yeah. It's like you can't, of, yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't really do that with, like, oh, okay, like when you go out into the world, the game will kind of simplify. The game will suck. <laughs> yeah, the game like, simplifies itself a little so it could handle being out there, but then when you come back, it's like amazing. Looking. But see, this, but, but that's where the second patent comes in and where things get really crazy once you realize what the portable device could be. Because when you realize that, you see the potential, at least I can. St- potentially see how they can do avoid <laughs> what you're talking about basically how they can do the sort of thing where it's like you have a device you take anywhere and you come home and it opens up something broader so what neogaf found or gaffer on neogaf found is that nintendo has a patent that was filed almost a year to the day after the first one um about the box where you have this controller okay take a wii controller pro i'm gonna grab one off here here's a wii u pro controller you I can't see it to the fact that he's holding yes i am now, everyone that has one in their mind or in their hands like I do, shift the stick buttons down to the middle, take all the buttons off the front, leave two shoulder buttons, and then replace all that glossy plastic on the front with a glasses-free 3D stereoscopic 1080, or not 1080p, a 16 by 9 aspect ratio freeform screen. The entire thing is a screen with two sticks sticking out of it and shoulder buttons and grips. In other words, that rumor from a while ago that Sharp was making free, uh, free form, do whatever shape you want screen for Nintendo, and there are rumors it might be like a bracelet or something, take that concept and put it on, map it to a normal controller face. And that could very well be the controller for the NX. The idea being, it's like the gamepad, but it's also a self-contained thing. It's like a hybrid of an iOS oh, device. Not necessarily, because you can get a tablet with a screen... Amazon sells their fires, their like mini fires for fifty bucks. You get a six pack of them for whatever fifty times six is. Like you, it's you get they're cheap. You can make it cheap. Hmm. So what would be? I mean, I think it would it would be like more like a gamepad, unless like a standard controller. Like you're not gonna buy four of these necessarily. But I don't know how multiplayer would work. But the idea is 
I'm putting the controller down. The idea is from this patent, if I understand it correctly, is that you basically have all the features of the gamepad, all the features of the 3DS, but instead being the selling point of the system is, look, it's a second screen, or look, it's stereoscopic glasses-free 3D. It's just like, oh yeah, your controller's like an iPhone, except it actually is also a controller for your home device. And that's where it gets interesting to me. There may be a little conjecture here, but if it can do that, in theory, it's an inverse Wii U. You use it on the go, you have most of your stuff happening on the game thing in your hands, you come home, and instead of off-TV play, it could be on-TV play. You come <laughs> home, it maps to your television like those Android game boxes do. It maybe has graphical enhancements, it maybe has extra modes unlocked, and then whatever your game pad or your game controller was is now basically the secondary screen and has the pause menu always visible or some extra data or a map or something that's totally normally accessible through the pause menu or whatever, but is now just constantly visible because you're playing on your big TV instead of your little portable. So we're looking at a very powerful house, kind of like a Vita? I would guess it'd be at least Vita quality. It'd have to be at least Vita. It'd have to be at least Vita quality, probably higher. And then when you would, in theory, when you connect it to your home box thing, the NX hub, as I'm now dubbing it, uh, when you connect it to that, it then basically becomes a home console with the second screen experience that the gamepad already had for the Wii U. So it's like it's like off TV play, but literally the inverse. The default would be on the on the controller. And as far as the pattern goes, there's only it. two shoulder buttons as your main button. Now that's the one thing that I'm hesitant about about this whole patent, and why I think it's worth mentioning again that patents are in like are works in progress. I don't think we're going to see it only have two buttons. I think Nintendo's going to have to overcome that if this becomes reality. Yeah, I mean if they want. Any kind of third-party support they use. Well, no, because that's something in the patent that I forgot to mention is they give examples of how games could work. So, in theory, you're playing a Mario 3... Or a 3D open-world game, I think is what they call it, is Mario. And the two sticks you're running around, and then basically the game's taking place between those two sticks. Okay. If you're playing a Zelda or a Metroid, they show three little touchscreen buttons on the right... on Like, on the inner side of the sticks... So you have your item access right there. So you're just flicking the stick and then you tap the touchscreen. Now where that becomes an issue is Nintendo for the longest time has been billing the DS and the 3DS as, oh, they're perfect game machines because they have physical buttons. Reggie has said it. Their marketing people have said it. It's been a running line of, oh, these are more serious games for serious gamers because we have buttons. So they're kind of going backwards if they take out the buttons. And I think that could be a hurdle because playing games with only a touchscreen that have virtual buttons suck. But if they figure out a way to do haptic feedback where it feels like a button, like if they do a force touch situation like Apple can do, where literally there is nothing there on the Apple Watch, on the Mac trackpad, on the iPhone, but it feels like you're pressing something, it could work. It could work. And the tech is existent outside of Apple. Huawei or one of those Chinese phone makers already ripped off Force Touch before Force Touch even came out. I mean, I guess until it's I possible. see one, or I mean, not, not necessarily in the next, but just like, yeah. so, any kind of gaming thing that lets me play any kind of platform or something with this kind of non-button pressing, I don't know, I, it just sounds... It sounds weird. It doesn't sound like it should work, like... Yeah, that's the thing, but, but kids, if like, you think about it for kids... Like, like, like imagine, like, I don't know, like, I, this is probably, like, more than they even have planned at this time, but, like, I can't imagine that working at all for, like, a game like Smash Brothers or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a legit thing. Or it's, any kind of fighting game for that matter. It's a very legitimate concern, but I, 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 mean, I don't have answers. I, to be clear, do you want to No, no, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm just saying. I mean, this is just. I'm not trying to defend me. I know, I know. We're just going off of like two patents. A, a patent. And to be clear about the patent, it 
doesn't say it's going to hook up to this home box. It doesn't say it's going to have on TV play as I've dubbed it. It doesn't say any of that. That's me speculating based on what we're seeing. But if Nintendo's trying, excuse me, to find a way to bridge the kids today that are used to playing on their iPads and iPhones with traditional games, having a device that has both touch yeah. inputs and two sticks and shoulder buttons, and who knows how many shoulder buttons they no, have. Yeah, yeah. It could, they could just map. They could do some weird thing where instead of using our thumbs as our main button input, they just have us use different parts of our index fingers on the shoulders. They could have four buttons up there, six buttons up there, and just do like poke bottom, left bottom, right, top left, top right. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I don't know how ergonomic it would be. But the controller itself in those patent drawings, which again, we link to them on the blog, you know, of this episode at com. So if you haven't seen them, anyone listening, go look at them. They look crazy. No, yeah, I'm sure like, like... There's ways it can make it work. Yeah, I mean like if Steam showed it that, that you could take a really weird design like their controller and actually be well, yeah work. people are kind of on the fence about that one yeah like but. I've seen some really really good impressions about it which really surprised me and some also like what you would kind of expect from something that looks that weird yeah. but I don't know I mean th- we probably still haven't even explored like all of their possibilities so. mm-hmm. and I think I think to be clear like there are some serious limitations with this thing but there's also some, like so many things that just make total sense like for example they make such a big point that the screen on the on the controller will be 16 by 9 that is the exact same resolution as your TV, meaning if it was a game you start on your controller and then throw your TV when you come home, you would need it to be the same resolution in theory, or the same aspect ratio at least. That's what I mean, aspect ratio. So it would like mirror properly. And all of a sudden, TVs move back to 4.3. That would be hysterical. <laughs> uh, or like or like another example of how or like... Or an even longer, like, I don't know, 18 by whatever. Right, yeah. Another, another example of like something that you have to consider with this is if your hands are blocking the game, literally blocking the game when you play on the hands. Yeah, but, and Nintendo has complained about that being, or not complained, but said that's a selling point of the DS as well, as your hands are away from the screen. So I imagine, even though the whole controller is a screen, if this thing becomes real, only the stuff in between the sticks in the middle would actually be gameplay. Everything else would be like ambient, atmospheric, you know, like, oh, you're running through a cave? Great, here's some cave walls on the left and right of the control stick, but the real action's in the middle. Which means when you do toss it to the TV, if you toss it to the TV... What perhaps the NX hub's extra power, that secondary device's extra power, would then fill fl- like fill in the edges, or perhaps you just have these weird like almost like you're looking through tunnel vision and like a quarter of your screen is just like background. Like I don't know, there's a lot of weird hindrances, but it also could work quite well. So it'll, it'll be interesting. And again, the on TV thing that's totally my conjecture. The fact that's like an NX hub and you plug into it with the or you wirelessly connect with the controller. That's totally me guessing it's just kind of like well they have these two patents one's about a device that enhances itself when you're near a hub the other or near a secondary device the other is about this little thing with a screen in it why can't the screen just become your tv like it just kind of lines up and it matches current trends in casual gaming all those android game boxes are essentially upscaling android games to your tv apple tv its whole tv game interface is like hey make a universal game that works on iphone ipad and apple tv so this would kind of just follow that trend, but do it in a Nintendo way that provides physical input and stuff of some sort. So, who knows? But that would seem... That does kind of seem like something Nintendo would do because it combines all the stuff they've done with 3DS and Wii U but presents it in a cleaner way. In, in You know, like a cleaner way that's self-contained and it lets them double their game output because they have everything in one thing now. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my two cents on it. But it's like the thing Nintendo's always been building up to from the very beginning. It kind of is. Yeah, if you go far enough back, here's your connectivity of the DS and the Wii. Boom. Here's your connect... Or the Game Boy and the GameCube. Here's mm-hmm. your... Here's your... Um, oh, that's the only one I got. 
<laughs> Here's your off TV play. Someone using a TV, just play on the portable. Someone not using a TV, throw it over and your handheld becomes your second screen. It it's just everything. It kind <laughs> of does. So if this were to happen, it'd be pretty cool. Um, That's all I'm going to say. It's announced but, everyone like simultaneously like sell their off their Xbox Ones and PS4s. Well, that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you know the other nice advantages that just occurred to me? Nintendo's making mobile games now that have to be touchscreen friendly. So what better way to ease people into true Nintendo experiences than by making their game console literally do exactly what an iPhone does, but then some stuff on top of it? Because if you really want to go into like, oh, Nintendo is just rolling all their ideas together, let's talk about the Wii for a sec. The whole idea of that was games got too complicated. People didn't know what to do. We're making a simple controller, the Wii Remote. Everyone understands touchscreens in games on smartphones. That's why Candy Crush is huge and got bought for billions of dollars by Activision. What if Nintendo's almost going back to him? Like, well, everyone knows touchscreens, so what if we give them a device that totally has the touchscreen they're used to, but you hold it like a normal game controller and it has a couple extra inputs just to make it a little more like traditional games? It's almost like the stepping stone. Kind of like the Wii was supposed to be like a simplification. So there, there's a lot of like potential like Blue Ocean stuff that Nintendo could do here. So I don't know. It's a lot of conjecture, I'll admit. But the, and the only reason I think it's even possible is simply because patent number one about that box, that secondary box, does contain, like I said earlier, actual stuff that Nintendo is really already doing, which means at least part of that patent is already in motion, and that is the reward program. So that's another thing Kimishima actually talked about in the time interview, kind of bringing it back to that, is the reward system that Nintendo has put in place. Um, so the patent describes a system that will reward you for putting time and money into your weird two-box setup, your console and your secondary. And they list compensation that will include, I'm just going to read them off directly, access to other uh, supplemental computing devices, discounts on games, access to certain game content, points for redemption for digital or physical goods, information for display, like a badge on a social network. If that sounds an awful lot like exactly what Nintendo called my Nintendo back in October when they first announced it, that's because it's literally identical. Mm. So... That part of patent's already true, so what's stopping the rest of it from becoming true? Like, why would they put that patent lumped into something else about two boxes if they're only doing the reward system? So, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, and, you know, actually, my Nintendo already launched in Japan. Already? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Yes, yes, oh. it launched in Japan. The My Nintendo that Nintendo's not, you know, the whole Nintendo account system coming in March. It's already out in Japan. In fact, it already has promotions going. They kind of do it, they're doing like a steroid, steroided out version of the digital deluxe promotion. Anytime between now and February, if you spend a thousand yen with your My Nintendo account, you will earn a hundred yen back. Mm. Just like the digital deluxe. Um, except those are percentages. The reason it's out in Japan already, from my understanding, is they don't have that awesome buy from Nintendo.com function on their, on their Japanese site like we do on Nintendo.com. And they want to put something in place for the holidays so people could buy on the go. And they're like, well, why are we going to build something that doesn't support My Nintendo? If we're only going to roll out my Nintendo in a couple months. So they launched it early in Japan as a bit of a stress test and to get people to be able to use it for Christmas. And then they'll bring it to the rest of the world in um, March. Hmm. Europe and Australia have specifically confirmed they are not receiving it to March. So I assume America's the same. But, but, but I digress. I, I digress. The real biggie about the account system, and going back to the time interview, is that um, it's very all-encompassing. And Kimishima, Kimishima said some kind of cool stuff in his time interview about just how encompassing it is. Um, he told Time that Nintendo wants everything fans do with their characters, with their properties, to earn them points. Everything. Everything? Everything. Play games. Buy games. Use apps. View apps. Watch videos. Go to theme parks. Buy merchandise. Any of it. Buy games at stores. 
any of it, in theory, will earn you points on my Nintendo. And that's why, according to Reggie, in a different interview with Time, that's why they had to shut down Club Nintendo early, because they needed to basically redo their entire back end in order to get this where everything plugs in. I think that's a bit of a lie, considering they could be running on separate boxes, complete, like completely separate systems, but, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, everything is going to go into my Nintendo. It's almost like those Disney passes, where, like, at Disneyland, it's like you can put everything on your Disneyland, like, account, or whatever it is, your special Disney club. The people that collect the pins and stuff, or they have the membership and all that. Um, it, like, all feeds into one central Disney thing, doesn't it? Or is this even more ambitious? I'm not really sure. I just mean all of it. I, like, I'm not really sure how the pins work exactly, but it is some, um, they do basically have, I mean, it, yeah, they have their own reward system. That you could get, like, printable stuff, you could get physical, like, movies, you could get passes for Disneyland, you could get tours yeah. at their studio. They're basically taking everything like, they oh, own yeah. Yeah, but you could, and combining it, right? But as far as I know, it's only... Maybe not the pens. But I, I, I think you can only get the points from movies, from what I can Oh, tell. so this is more ambitious than Disney. Because yeah, I is... thought the, the Disney Club thing with the movies also hooked into no, the other stuff. No, from what I can tell so far, it's only movies, like, huh. digital downloads and movies that get your points. So, so th no, this is actually going like way above and beyond. Like I'm actually like kind of like impressed. whoa, this is kind of crazy. It's like they're di this is Nintendo Disneyfying themselves to an extreme. Yeah, like it's it's almost ridiculous. Like how it's many crazy. ways you get points? Like I mean, even for people that like don't yeah, like this definitely is a lot better for like Nintendo enthusiasts in general. Like not everyone has time to play games, especially like the older fans that yeah. have all these jobs or whatever. Like just by interacting by the means that they do already, like, they're going to get so many points. I mean, I'm sure you'll have, like, as many points as average Timmy that... That play, actually plays his games. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just do it from watching the Jazz Rex. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's interesting because, like, it sounds like this... Every retweet gets you five points. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, man, I would... I don't even retweet, though. Be like, every tweet that says the word Nintendo would <laughs> yeah. do a point. Uh, but it honestly sounds like this, this, more than the NX, is the core of Nintendo's plan for their future. Like, Reggie said, this is... Good. He literally called it a virtual hub. For all consumer interaction with Nintendo, Nintendo. Like, definitely a lot more. Um, Makes it seem very savvy and tech friendly. Yeah, like you, future looking, looking yeah, ahead. Yeah, you could definitely see like Nintendo just popping up more in conversation just because of these kinds of things. Where it's like, like, like oh, anywhere you go, like oh, gotta check in or gotta send this message out to Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo this, Nintendo yeah. that. Yeah, it's crazy because like if Nintendo can pull this off. Which, it's, it's so ambitious, I yeah, don't those, even know. Those mall tours, maybe they'll have, like, other things in other stores. Like, oh, here's, like, a QR code of Mario. Scanning. I don't even know how they would do that. Would it be a QR code? Would it be, like... It'd have to be QR codes. Or would it be, like... I don't know, Snapchat. Dude, an Apple Watch app where I could just scan my watch at, like, the Nintendo stand at every store. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be awesome. But, yeah, if they could pull this off, it'd be so awesome. Because not just for us fans, we're gonna... Obviously, we're gonna get... A lot of that word of mouth will definitely the word of mouth will help, and like for us fans, it's like a great thank you and encouraging us to stay as fans. But what I found interesting is in the interview, Kimishima said himself, "This is Nintendo. Remember the Blue Ocean from the Wii? Yeah. Oh well, gamer. For those who don't that are listening, okay, yeah. For uh, gamers who exist or this Red Ocean that we've already basically blood to death. Blood to death. Let's go after these casuals who've never played a game before. Their new strategy is." Man, all these gamers, they know our property so well. So we can reward them, sure. But we're not going to... We're hitting a ceiling. They're, they're hitting a ceiling with them. You'll see it when we talk about November sales for Wii U. They have hit the fan ceiling. But... They have hit the ceiling fan. They have hit the ceiling fan. But there are so many people who are aware of Nintendo characters but don't really engage with them much. So their Blue Ocean strategy is now... And this is, again, directly for Kimishima. Make everyone love our character. I mean, he didn't say this verbatim, but his underlying tone is get 
everyone to love their IPs and then turn a profit off as many people as they can from all these things that involve Mario, Pikachu, Donkey Kong, Zelda, Link, etc., etc., etc. So their new strategy for making money is, holy crap, we have a giant staple of characters as good as Disney, why aren't we leveraging that? Yeah, I mean, like, Nintendo merchandising has always been pretty high. Like, yeah. if you go to any Hot Topic, there's, like, a whole Nintendo section. But yeah. over the last, like, few years, like, ever since, like, they started getting really with, um, they started making business with, um, is it Jack Specific? Jack Specific World Nintendo Toys, yeah. Yeah, like, those, like, And Hot Wheels. Yeah, like, ever since then, like, you go to a, a GameStop and, like, even GameStop, like, they have, like, a comic book section now, they have a vinyl toy section now, they have a little collectible section yeah. now. But, like, so much of it is just a bunch of, like, random Nintendo stuff. It's kind of ridiculous. Just I'm glad I don't collect much. Nintendo merch anymore, besides Amiibo. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, like... You have, like, Yahtzee versions of every game. Yep. There's, like, five, like, Zelda puzzles. Like, they're selling, like, Nendoroids, like, on the You know store. what's crazier? I mean, like, yeah, like, I'm glad I focus more on, like, Ninja Turtles on, like, or just stick with Bowser stuff, because, yeah, it's it's crazy. You know what's even crazier is we're not even at the, we're at the tip of the iceberg of what Nintendo can do. Yeah, this is, like, them, like, I, testing the waters. This yeah, this even... is them testing the waters, and I, I mean, was like, looking... Amiibo, like, we're still, like, on the trial run phase of Amiibo, you could say. You know, Amiibo, honestly, is what gives me... I feel like we haven't even seen, like the full extent of it yet. Amiibo is what makes me realize Nintendo's onto something. But I'll get to that in a sec. I was gonna say, I was looking through stuff Nintendo's been like, the way they've been sending out their characters as of, as of late. And if this is just the tip of the iceberg, I don't even, they're not, I don't know if this is the tip of the iceberg. They might have subtly gone full on into the iceberg because we have, just in the last year, Pokemon Go was one, was one of the top 10 most viewed gaming videos on YouTube in all of 2015. So there's untapped potential there for sure. McDonald's currently has Pokemon toys. They can have, they've had Mario toys in the past. There's fast food opportunities, which is a simple one yeah. to think about. But You can even get uh, that Hoopa yeah. through McDonald's, which is definitely unheard of before just getting a legendary Pokemon. Through in a McDonald's. Well, through Nintendo Zone at McDonald's. So same difference. Oh, yeah, but still. I mean, the hotspot, yeah. yeah. Um, there's there's those. You know, there's, you, know, you get a code in the toy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but yeah, there's those. There's... The, like we said, the Jack Pacific toys, which are doing well, and they're expanding that line. There's the first for figurines, which they've been doing forever. There's the Hot Wheel promotion. There's yeah, the... Their partnerships with Good Smile. Like, I mean, yeah. they have the Nendoroid, they have the Figmas. I mean, like, you would never get a Lucina figure otherwise if, like, these characters aren't yeah. getting their and that's much. And that's not even all of it. There's also... they're also Because these are all things you expect. It's like, oh, yeah, of course the gamers will buy the toys. But then how do you broaden that to this blue ocean? You do ridiculous stuff. Case in point, high-end fashion. What? High-end fashion. There is a fashion boutique company called uh, Machino. I think I'm saying that right. Machino? Machino? M-O-S-C-H-I-N-O. They are like one of those boutique shops that are only in the major cities. You know, oh, they have a store in L.A. and London and Paris and Italy somewhere. And, like, you go there, you buy it online, and it's like $300 shirts. They have teamed up with Nintendo. And I thought I saw expensive clothing. At at the Drake OVO store? Well, not only that, but um, I went to another store, like, on that same block. Well, that's the fashion area of L.A., so, of course. And and they had, like, a... It was a sweater, like, it it didn't look any different from a sweater I've seen you wear, one that I kind of have. Right. But it was, like, 700 bucks. And I was just like... Well, get ready for this. If you think that's crazy... $300 $300 so, jeans. They look just like jeans. Yeah, but but they're the brand. you're buying the brand. I know. And that's I, exactly I what... didn't even recognize that brand, but that's probably why. Yeah, because it's, it's like... it's it's. <laughs> if yeah. I recognize that brand, it'd probably be a lot cheaper, but... Exactly. Well, yeah. if you're a fashionista, you'd recognize it, but you're not. Oh, yeah, and neither am I. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so these Machinos... Because you're like, oh, I don't want to buy a brand that everybody knows. Right, you have to have the exclusivity, such as Machino, yeah. whose shirts... You ready for this? They A woman's 
overly large or extra large, extra long shirt. So, you know, like a shirt that can also double as a dress practically because like it goes like halfway down her thighs. Yeah, but for girls. Oh. Uh, so those overlong shirts, here's what they're doing for 30th anniversary. They're slapping Super Machino on the shirt. Like, it's the Super Mario font, but it says their name, and it has Mario artwork on it. Like, Mario with the wrench from the old uh, Nintendo Customer Service logo on the back of the game manuals. Uh-huh. Or, like, uh, you can get, like, print that shirt, $225. Or you can get, like, awesome purses that have mush- mush- Mario mushroom prints on them. Or backpacks that have, like, it's almost like the Louis Vuitton patterns, but it's, like, Mario icons and stuff. Those things are going for hundreds of dollars. It's 100% real. I'm not making this up. This and is exactly one of those, no. I'm right? not getting any of them for science. No. Uh, if someone wants to donate them to me, if Machino's <laughs> listening, I will happily take a men's shirt because I'm not a woman. But um, if 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 not, then I'll be okay without it. But my point is, you know, everything from Happy Meals to making a mobile game that's one of the most that has one of the most viewed trailers on YouTube to making high end fashion accessories. This is Nintendo branching. Out. This is their IP, Blue Ocean Strategy in action, because everyone knows Mario, everyone knows Zelda. Now they're going to milk it. And the one risk I can see this running is they might milk it too much and people might just stop caring. But if they play their cards right and they do the theme park with Universal like they're doing and they maybe do movies or something like the rumored Sony one a year ago about Mario. Like whatever it may be, if they play this right, Nintendo could very well become the next Disney. They have the staple of characters. They are Disney-fying. Yeah. And I mean, I Kimishima Sandy interview. That's what their goal is. They are blue ocean. They're taking the blue ocean of people who don't care about their characters and making them care. Yeah, like I mean, of other companies, like I mean, obviously, I don't think anything anything could ever like get to where Disney is. Yeah, just because that's just way too big. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I could definitely get close. I mean, I could at least I could see it definitely beating out other companies just as far as like popularity and characters. I mean, like Sony, like sometimes like I mean not Sony's. Um. Universal Studios, like, when you go there, like, like sure, it's like, oh, look, there's a Simpsons ride, there's a this thing, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know, none of those ever really feel, like, really big. Well, like, Harry Potter. Really... Harry Potter Worldwide opens, it's gonna be huge. Hmm. How much are the properties that are actually Universal, though? Oh, very few. They license. Yeah. Universal doesn't have, Universal, Disney's interesting, because Disney, with the exception of Star Tours up until they bought Star Wars, Disney yeah. very, very rarely took outside properties yeah, I guess they never really had to. They never really had yeah, Universal, to. Universal all, had like, to, Universal was the Sega to Disney and Nintendo. Yeah. If you picture Universal and Disney as if they were the 90s Sega Nintendo battle, Universal was the, we're so cool and edgy, look at these great, we got Jurassic Park, we got Indiana Jones, we got yeah, yeah. Minions, well, we Minions got Shrek. We got Shrek, we got uh, oh, E.T., we got... What? I don't think Minions is Universal. Oh, either either, either, either yeah. way. Don't, either yeah. way, they got all the like yeah, yeah, cool yeah, ones, and Disney was all the like, kiddie, by comparison yeah. ones. Like It's that playing out in the theme park world. And now Nintendo's trying to be like the media. It's trying to be like halfway in each, in a way. Well, now it's going to be it's gonna be joining Universal, so yeah, yeah. where you once saw Crash Bandicoot walking around. <laughs> it's now Mario. Gonna have Mario. And you'll be like, oh, a real video game character, great. Uh, oh, still relevant. I, I that I remember also seeing um, Spyro walking around sometimes. Pre Skylander Spyro, yeah, when he didn't when, look when like he, he had an uh, under job bite issue. Yeah, but he also had um, enough polygons that you could count in like two hands. Well, yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I think like it's just interesting that like Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo's been saying this for months, if not years. I think I want to said this in one of financial version that they're gonna focus on licensing IP, but I don't think it hit me that their whole strategy going forward. Yes, they're making the NX. That's a game console. Yes, they're going to mobile apps, but their whole strategy is we are going to have this thing called Nintendo 
And this Nintendo thing is going to be all interconnected via our cloud account system. The same one in that first patent that we were talking about at the start of the show. That same account system is going to power all of it. And the end goal is, no matter what you do with Nintendo, no matter where you are, what if you're interacting with something in the physical world, the digital world, your phone, your console, you're making us money, and you're liking our characters, and we're going to be everywhere. Like, I didn't fully process that that's what they were doing until Kimishima, Kimishima called it their Blue Ocean strategy. And I'm like, oh crap, it makes total sense. That's exactly what they're doing. So, I gotta give them credit. It's pretty smart. And they've been doing the trial run, like you said, with Amiibo, and it's been working. Yeah. Reggie said in an interview... With, yeah, Reggie said in an interview with Time that um, he was saying that they already sold 9 million Amiibo here in the U.S. in just a year. In the time since... In the time. In the time since um, Reggie had that interview with Time, NPD then came out and said, actually, Amiibo have sold over 11 million in the U.S. in just a year. And the craziest thing about it, as shown by what they're doing with Amiibo currently, is Nintendo's, if their plan is just expose all their IP, it's a perpetual cycle. They are never going to run out of characters because they're just going to keep introducing new ones. Some will take longer to get up to the same level, but if you think about it, we're seeing it right now with Amiibo. It's basically... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, It didn't take that long for Splatoon to be... Splatoon's now a thing. Remember how Isabel rose up the ranks in the time character being A-level? How about this? Like, yeah, like... Animal Crossing has been around, like... I mean, it's been around for a long time, but Isabel seems like now, like, the most popular character. Like, she seems almost as popular as KK, if not more. Yeah, and now they're trying to do it with the Animal Crossing Amiibo line. Like, KK was the only one that people cared about. Tom Nook, less so, but sure, still. Then it was Isabel. I never thought of and Isabel now, being that interesting. I guess I was like KK because he was kind of mysterious. I like, yeah. didn't really know much about him. But Isabel, Isabel became the most like... easy beyond just a music player? I want to know more <laughs> you about You want a behind-the-music special and, about and, him? Yeah, and then like, when he became a DJ out of nowhere, I don't know, I was like, all right, Dude, who is this like He's dog? just keeping up with trends. He's Coldplay, and I love Coldplay, <laughs> so I, I'm dissing him a little by love him. He's Coldplay. Coldplay stars an alt-rock group, then EDM blew up, and they're like, we should collaborate with Avicii, and they did a song with Avicii, a, D- a DJ. He is the Coldplay of the Animal Crossing world. Yeah. But, um, Isabel just seems very one-dimensional. She's just yeah, she's assistant. just a happy assistant. But no, they're doing exactly the thing where it's like perpetually expanding their character base with Animal Crossing right now. Look at the Animal Crossing Amiibo line. We got the standbys. We got I mean, Isabel, I mean, KK. I mean, they're selling well, but I mean... They're, not selling, they're trying. I don't know if they're going to succeed, and this is the real first test of it. This can be a perpetual machine. Because basically, they got... You know, all the standards. And now they're like, oh, maybe people care about bladders now. We can make them care about kicks. We can make them care about those stupid llamas that we love making fun of, Cyrus and Reese. We can make them care. We'll put out merchandise. People start recognizing them. And maybe, just maybe, we'll create more classic characters Isabel style. They are doing, with this and what I suspect they're going to do with their other IP stuff going forward, the Marvel movie strategy to a T. Here's what Marvel did. We need to pick our biggest heroes. Iron Man, Captain America, less so Hulk. He flopped. Thor. Thor. Yeah, all the ones we have access to. We need to make movies about them. Once people are familiar with them and like them, we'll start rolling out the lesser characters. We're now at the point where Falcon and Ant-Man are totally reasonable big-name heroes. You cannot have kicked off Marvel's crazy movie universe or merchandise universe or any of that with Ant-Man. Yeah, you could almost throw any, like, popular... I mean, not popular. Any Marvel character, any obscure one, and just put him in a movie. Doctor Strange is getting a movie. Uh... Vision is in Avengers 2. Like, they have all these crazy, like, obscure characters, and Nintendo is looking at that and going, well, that's Disneyfying right there because they own them. Yeah. So, what if we did that? Trick is definitely getting them in the movie because, I mean, it yeah. even works with Vidigans to a lesser extent. I mean, like, Rocket Raccoon and Deadpool, like, got popularity. Yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom? 
I mean, you started seeing them pop up in a few But then places, they really were blowing up with movies. Yeah, but, like, after Guardians came out, like, everybody knew, like, yep. it, like everyone loves Groot. So I think what Nintendo's doing, although at a much smaller scale with the mm-hmm. Animal Crossing Amiibo, is they're going, people know Amiibo, people love Amiibo, they got all these characters they wanted, including some lesser-known ones that then became better-known, like we've seen as they're selling out instantly, Lil Max suddenly relevant, that sort of thing. What if they did that with Animal Crossing characters? And if that works, what about... New up properties like Splatoon, that already already worked. They're basically building out a machine that lets them just keep making new characters, kind of like Disney does and Marvel. Yeah. And then so just it kind endlessly... of sounds like their only limitation is the fact that their main medium is video games. But it won't be anymore. I mean, it still will be. Well, it still will be, but it's going to be video games adapted for a more casual current day. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, like I mean, like go back to Marvel. Like they have video games they have that's TV true. shows. they're more of a like, I mean, perfect like, universe like even just looking at like avengers like there are avengers video games there is uh, an avengers animated tv show they have the avengers that's comic true. books they have the avengers movies like they can attack you on off then they also have yeah like that's true and also they're owned yeah, by like, a multimedia empire that if they want to say we want to like they're doing with star wars right now disney can go we're gonna put it everywhere it's gonna be on good morning america <laughs> and jimmy kimmel in the same day because we own abc it's gonna be on espn you're watching monday night football boom exclusive star wars footage i'll get people to watch football they it's definitely oh, yeah, a bigger star wars, yeah they have their yeah. own tv show which apparently um just random yeah. your random nintendo randomness of the day <laughs> um which has actually nothing to do with nintendo um well it makes it more random <laughs> yeah the the superintendent well we had winter performances this week and oh, the, at and the, the school you work at yeah and yeah. the superintendent came to watch and um, and then he came up, and then like they were talking about Star Wars because one of the songs were Star Wars. And they're like, "Oh, did you know that my son is actually the voice of the lead character in Star Wars Rebels, what? the current show on Disney XD?" Really? And I was like, "Oh, wow, it's actually really cool." Because I mean, is. I don't watch the show, but I definitely know about it. Yeah, yeah. And that was just like, what a small world. Well, we do live in LA. Like someone that's listening to this in Kentucky can't relate to that, but we. See, yeah, but you never yeah. really expect to. That's true. Like, that's run true. into those people. Like obviously they know. Like oh, like every, almost every cartoon I watch, I know they're probably in LA except oh, for yeah, Gumball yeah. because that's a French show, or whatever. Oh, it is European. It's oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. The cartoon Network Europe or right? Huh. Over there. But huh, that's kind of funny. Wait, what process? this? Oh yeah, Star Wars. So yeah. yeah, Nintendo can't to the same scale that Disney's doing, but they're doing their Nintendo yeah. five, their Nintendo Do they level have a property that's Disney like, I mean, like, Mario had a show. Like, a lot of these shows... A lot of these games had shows, but... I don't know, like, will they even try again to do anything beyond? I think that's the big difference I mean, right now. Is I mean, Nintendo, Zelda's probably the closest one, because they have... They've had, they almost had an Amazon Prime show. Remember yeah, those but, rumors? Oh, no, yeah, but I mean, like, Zelda's had a bunch of manga come out yeah. for it. But they're also just manga. It's, they're still kind of... I think when we were talking about this earlier, we made it bigger than it actually is, in the sense of... Yes, they... They can diversify, but I don't think we're ever going to have it at the level Star Wars is or Marvel is. Oh, yeah, Which means, I don't think, because Nintendo's, and they should be very protective of their stuff even still. They will not just let anyone make a show like they did yeah. in the early 90s, or anyone make a movie like the Mario movie, or CDI Zelda games are never going to happen again. Like, they're going to be very protective, but if they do this right, they Plot line up the card right. Disney buys Nintendo, and then all of a sudden... Dude, they're pretty buddy-buddy. I, mm. I wouldn't say it's impossible. Disney already owns every other nerd property. And then at that point, then, like, oh, we're going to start getting movies and everything, and then... Then it goes out of control, yeah. But, but like, it just seems like... It's, it just seems like an opportunity to... For Nintendo to just broaden itself. Like, it's, it could... The, yeah, it's it's going to make them so much money. It's they, happening with Amiibo, right? I mean, they made so much money off of At Amiibo. the very least, it, it feels like um, they're going to get as big as they can possibly get... Yeah. ...with the current... It's, with what yeah. they have, which is, which is crazy like that. They've achieved, they're, they can achieve, and they have achieved more than 
what I thought any single video game company is not what video game company Yeah, they're the mo- they're single, I would argue, and I don't think anyone would disagree, no matter your fandom, no matter your fanboyness, they are single-handedly the most recognized staple of video game characters in the world. Yeah. Microsoft can't walk in and be like, here's Steve from Minecraft and Master Chief from Halo and compete at all with the 27 <laughs> characters that Nintendo when could just throw out one day. Like, it's it's crazy. And, like, the thing is, Nintendo's even... Like, the way they're introducing more characters, they're even doing things that let their third parties piggyback on. Like, the fact that they're licensing Amiibo. Like, uh, Shovel Knight's a good example of this. They're coming out with the Shovel Knight Amiibo, right? Yeah. He himself is becoming a recognizable character, and yeah, he's on multiple systems, but if you're walking down the, the aisle at a store and you see the Amiibo and Shovel Knight's there, you will make the association of him as a Nintendo character. If you start seeing stuff from other places, you will start tying him to Nintendo more. So it's just like this never-ending web of Nintendo characters. I'm sure that's Nintendo how people characters. feel about Sonic at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, Sonic, most people are like, oh, he's like a Nintendo character, practically. Yeah, Mario 5 the Olympic Games. Yeah, there you yeah. go. And the thing about Shovel Knight, actually, since we're talking about it, is they did just announce, a bit of a side tangent, but for those who are wondering... They did just announce that Shovel Knight's Amiibo here in the States will not be out till January 8th, after the holidays. They are staggering the launch between Europe and America just to make it easier to, to, manufacture, them? to manufacture them. But And also interesting is, um, so if you scan him, you can actually, I knew that you could level him up, but you can actually customize him. You can make a custom-looking Shovel Knight in your game, which kind of mimics like the sort of costume stuff that's going on with Yoshi or with Mario Maker. It's just kind of the same idea of like really personalize it with a little piece of plastic. And it unlocks a co-op mode, which is kind of cool. But that's all on the side. I just I mentioned Shovel Knight, so I thought I'd throw it in there. But um, but yeah, I think I think it's gonna be 2016 is really gonna be the year that Nintendo ramps this up to the next level. So it's gonna be extremely interesting because the NX and the Tomo, which by the way, uh, Kimishima admitted they screwed up. They didn't screw up, but they were not clear what Mitomo does or why it's a significant app or why you'd want to use it. So they're gonna be ramping that up early next year and explaining that better. So all this like next year is gonna be nuts for Nintendo. And I, I think that kind of wraps up pretty much what we've learned from the Kimishima time interview. We managed to talk about an interview that was 14 questions for, like, 50 minutes. Which, I mean, granted, we, we threw in other stuff, but that's kind of... says a lot about, like, yeah. the position Nintendo's in, that they can have such... They can paint such broad strokes and be able to pull this much out the of it. The interview where the president said that they weren't expecting or they didn't prefer them, people to collect Amiibo? This is. That's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Nintendo... Because they're a video game company at heart, which almost goes back to what you were saying, like, they're never, they can't have, you know, they're not the same as Marvel or Disney and that they don't have the same scale of shows and movies. He did make a point in this interview, I completely forgot about that, that um, they like that people are buying Amiibo, but they want them to be used more as game, you're doing things it wrong. for games. Yeah, you're doing it wrong, basically. You're doing it wrong. I am doing it wrong. But when he said that, I was like, I guess I should probably open mine. So I, I've decided I'm going to open them. Also, all the rare ones aren't rare anymore. But, um, thank you, thank you. But yeah, so, cause he, and he was saying, he, he laid the blame on Nintendo, which I thought was interesting, because he's like, we need to do a better job making experiences where you want to use them. Which makes you wonder, if, true. if Amiibo Festival was the best they could come up with for these things, I hope they have some new, I mean, a lot some of fresh things, blood with new ideas. I mean, like, I could, I mean, I could, like, sure, like, I could say, like, oh, I actually use my Amiibo, like, I've opened every single one, yeah. but it's like, even though I've actively used them in Smash Brothers somewhat, if, for everything else, it's like, you scan them and that's and it. you're done. It's like, yeah. like, oh, I use them, but I'm not... Always using them. It's not like the yeah. Infinity where they stay warm. I guess. I'd be curious to see how they evolve the Amiibo concept. Because like uh, 2016, uh, 2016 again going to the idea that this that's a monumental year for Nintendo. That to me is like the do or die year for Amiibo. 
because I walk into Best Buy now. I know it's anecdotal evidence. I know, John, you're listening. He always emails us, and I appreciate it when we say anecdotal evidence about amiibo that are harder to find, that we find easy to find. He actually got a Shulk, by the way. So, Ooh. good job, John. I'm glad you got it. Even though you didn't really put... Like, congratulations on your success. Um, but no, it's... you. I walked into Best Buy, and they had all the Animal Crossing amiibo rarely available, including the three-pack. They had three of the three-packs. And they had, like, 20... Um, Tom Nook's like 15, or no, they had like five Tom Nook's and like 20 Mabel's. And I was like, wow, these are not doing as well. They did not have Animal Crossing cards, however. Yeah, I never see the cards anywhere. I've never but I seen see the, the cards. But, uh, but yeah, so so I think... GameStop didn't have... Well, yeah, I went to GameStop today and they didn't have any um, Animal Crossing Amiibo, but they did have a very nice selection of Smash Bros. One. It was actually nice to see like, whoa, like I, if I didn't have any... I guess you should pick and choose like which one. Like I saw yeah. Captain Falcons, there were Toads. There Best were... Buy has that on their website as of yeah. this recording. We're recording this Friday night Ooh, before. So, yeah, Gamers Club. So, always go to Best Buy. Yeah, yeah, and you get the discounting free shipping mm-hmm. during the holidays. Until like 11 or something. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I got a Fal- uh, Falco Amiibo thanks to a $5 off. They had a sale on Black Friday. They I had a Gamers Club discount and I had the Gamers Club 20% off everything. So, I got a Falco Amiibo shipped to my house in total price $2. That includes shipping. <laughs> so that was that was pretty nice but my point was about Amiibo I think 2016 is going to be the do or die year because the Animal Crossing ones aren't selling it quite as hot because the characters aren't as relevant yet but until as I was mentioning he's trying to fix that but you gotta wonder if you know two is Timmy and Tommy's Amiibo the little you know nephews of Tom Nook is that thing going to be selling like as insanely popular num- insanely huge numbers as say Lucina did are they going to sell out instantly? I, I don't think they are. So well, Nintendo's got to get to so point. Few of them? But that was in the heat of the frenzy where people were like, oh, they're never going to make Fire Emblem merchandise. I need to grab this. But now it's I like, mean, oh, they're never going to make Animal Crossing merchandise except they have all the toys and they have the cards and they have the figurines. Yeah, I mean, I don't Which know. Which is it's, almost... It feels different for Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing always kind of had merchandise. Like, That's true. I mean, they had... I like, have Animal Crossing merchandise they, from yeah, years they, ago. They've always had plushies. They've always had like a bunch of random... like. Little tiny amiibo esque like. Statues. I wonder if that's hurting the amiibo themselves like, until they do more functionality. That's also kind of why like I never really felt an urge to collect these amiibo for Animal Crossing because I felt like oh if I ever want a Mr. Rossetti the way I want him like half buried on the ground with yeah. his crazy eyes not standing up I what could is always, that? yeah I could wait till Anime Expo rolls around and just like pick one up there because I know they always have one. Yeah no that's a very bad point I think. But Smash Brothers it's like oh like this is like not only is trying to collect the core set of Smash Brothers feel more. I don't know, more gratifying than Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing is just one series. It's not like... I feel like I wouldn't... I, I would. I, I didn't feel as driven to collect just the standalone Mario series just because it's kind of like that there's Animal so Crossing much. that we just addressed. Like, there's so many other ways to get those. Yeah, and I wonder but, if that is what Kimishima meant when he said they need to do more to make them more ooh, engaging. Oh, yeah. Because here's the situation. <laughs> that, that's kind of just like... Wait, it, yeah, it makes, more now, like, yeah, like, it makes sense. Cause I, it I, all I literally, comes together. I literally was just looking at them as like, no, and that, that. and that's the problem is if Nintendo's whole goal, this is all coming now. If Nintendo's whole goal is to do their whole like we need to spread our IP as spread it around as much as possible. That means everything they release that involves their IP has to be unique in some way. Theme park attraction is certainly different from a plush toy. There's no doubt about that. But how is a little figurine that's on Amiibo NFC chip different from a figurine that doesn't have the NFC chip? And I think what Kimishima is saying now that you kind of raised your point, is it needs to be different, and it's not. 
And we want people not to collect them as they're doing. We want people to use them. We want them to be game accessories that stand alone from the other merchandise. So you're buying everything anyway, both times, yeah, as a figurine like, and as a Amiibo. Yeah, because they're like, oh, I'm going to get all this Smash Bros. anyway. Yeah. And then like, oh, if they have to do something, cool. But I don't really care. Yeah, so they're going to have to get really creative, which again circles back to my point. It's going to be really hard for to get people to say like, oh, that looks very useful. I want to use it. Yeah. Before saying that they're just going to buy it. Yeah, and then and that circles back to my original thing just, yeah. that kicked us off that 2016 is like the do or die year for Amiibo in that they need something that differentiates no, it because either you're buying the other merchandise or you're getting the Amiibo but you're not getting both unless they do different things. Yeah, this is kind of we're starting to feel like the bubble maybe has... Um, the bubble's... Not, not, it's not, not as... Not burst, but yeah, like... It's but inflating at a rapid rate. <laughs> it is, and I'm starting to see it hover over what looks like some roses. But I think it, some it, roses. It, I guess they have sharp stems. That's it. But it yeah. may not land on the sharp. But stem. I think it, it could, bounce it on the could float a little further and land yeah. gently on we don't a cloud. Know, but but there is that some carries danger. it to new heights. Yeah, but there is yeah. some there is, there is some danger, and I think that is why Kimishima was saying what he was saying. And I think I think honestly to put a pin on the Kimishima commentary comments before we move on to individual game news, I feel like this is the first time in years that Nintendo has a very clear vision that they can clearly express to us. With the 3DS and the Wii U, okay, Wii and DS, they were like, we're, graphics don't matter, you guys. It's all about experience, it's all about input. And no, you have the touchscreen, you have the motion control. We're getting casuals into these things through new control ideas that they understand. And then the 3DS yeah, and... definitely drove that point home. Right? And then the 3DS and Wii U came out, and their marketing was literally like, hey guys, we got you hooked on this one thing, now check it out, it's a more advanced fancier, more difficult to understand version of that one thing you liked. But the games were the same. They didn't like... They claimed they were trying to bridge the gap between casuals and hardcores, but in reality all they did was make it too complicated for casuals and weird for hardcore. Like, stereoscopic 3D is awesome, but the Wii U gamepad, we didn't get much third-party support because no one knew what to use the gamepad for, and it didn't sell because no one understood why you needed the gamepad. Like, Nintendo took this very clear vision and muddied it up and now, for the first time since then, in my opinion, they again have a new clear vision. And this one, arguably, is potentially even bigger opportunity than the last. So I think it's really cool that like we've gone from Nintendo... I remember <laughs> I remember when the Quality of Life product was announced. That, and we were saying how like it feels like Nintendo's just throwing things against the wall and seeing what's going to stick. Like Remember that conversation? They announced uh-huh. Quality of Life. They said they're going to start licensing their IP. And they said something else about the Wii U. Oh yeah, they're going to show the true potential of the gamepad. That's why I wanted like a year and a half ago. And where it's like, so which one is it? They can't do all three success. Like they're throwing everything against the wall, they're seeing well, what sticks. As far as the gamepad, I don't think we ever saw anything. It we didn't. Just, yeah, it, was... it just fell apart. Yeah. And then the quality of life what, product vanished off Woolly the face World? of what? What did they do in Woolly World? Nothing that I can remember. It's like a map. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it's not a map. I no, it's not. Like, I don't know. What unless it does. they did it, I don't think we ever looked. I down. never looked at it. That's, <laughs> the, that's the point, though. Nintendo could not. They didn't have a clear... Everything was muddied with the Wii U in particular, more so than the 3DS. Even the 3DS, it was like, hey, the idea of the DS is we're going to give you a new experience that's really easy to understand. Great, you got that experience down where we're going to add some extra buttons and throw on some 3D and hopefully you still get it. But this is like... They're past the throwing everything against the wall and see what sticks. They Apparently, they're still working on that quality of life thing. Kimishima says they're still working on it in some capacity. So they still have a bit of the what's stuck to the wall. But they are running and gunning with a specific plan, and it is really cool to see them actually have, like, a goal. There is a finish line that they are going towards instead of just kind of meandering around, wondering, like, how do we make the Wii successful like the Wii? I don't know. 
So this, I think, could be the turning the turnaround point for what Nintendo's been experiencing the last few years. We're already seeing it start to happen. Amiibo's lifting sales. I think it's just going to snowball from there. So I'm actually extremely excited to see what Nintendo does next. I'm really excited about my Nintendo. I'm super excited to see what the NX thing is in, in terms of the patents and if the controller with the screen in it becomes the... Re- you know, the controller that is the screen becomes a reality or what. Like, 2016 is going to be an incredibly fun year to do this podcast. Because it's going to be, like, the biggest... Like, we, we started this right at the launch of 3DS and Wii U, and it was like, this is weird. What's Nintendo doing? Wow. But now it's like, watch Nintendo go. They know what they're doing. They're on top of things. So it it could be very fun. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, Silver Sword... Uh, yes it was. No. Mario 3D Land. Um, Skyward Sword was number two. But it was that year, 2011. Oh yeah, Mario Kart was three. Yep, yep. But with all that said, so that's what Kimishima talked about. That's Nintendo in the future. That's looking at big picture. But in the meantime, there is some more game-specific news to discuss in the Game Awards and whatnot. So we might as well change course a bit, yeah? Yeah. Alright, so first up, and for the third episode in a row, we've got drama about Minecraft for Wii U. So, the good news, and first of all, this has been quite the roller coaster of emotion. Good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. But first, what a roller coaster of emotion this game has been. We went from cool, it's coming, to oh, it's not coming, but why isn't it coming, to oh, hey, it is coming, but with some weird decisions. So, first, the good news is that it's official. Nintendo and Microsoft, through their. Uh, what is the name of the developer? Mojang Mohong? Mojang. Mojang. That's definitely not the right pronunciation. <laughs> I think it's Mo- Mojang or that's something. That's how I always pronounce it. Well, you're super American right now. I'm going to play some Mojang Minecraft. But, um, yeah, those guys confirmed with Nintendo that uh, next Friday, the de- December 17th, uh, there will be an eShop release, a Minecraft Wii U edition, and a physical version will follow. This is exactly how we predicted it last episode, that they'd roll it out to the eShop as, like, a Christmas Day, get parent, you know... Parents go to the eShop with their kid. They buy it for them because they know Minecraft. Boom, lots of sales. Happy everyone. We, we got it wrong about when they announced it. I thought it'd be at the Game Awards. It was literally four days later. But whatever. We, we were right about what they're doing. But more to the point, um, it is going to be on the eShop. It'll cost $30 if you choose to download it, which is a little high for Minecraft. But to make up for it being late and that much, it's going to come with a bunch of different skin and texture packs, including the Battle and uh, Beast one, the Festive texture pack the city texture pack the fantasy texture pack all pre-installed and then separately you can spend real money to buy additional ones based on simpsons star wars mass effect and all sorts of other stuff so so that's all happening and also of note is the game actually uses the wii u better than most wii u games use the wii u it will have usb keyboard support it will have full voice chat for online it will support eight players online it will support four players locally it will use the gamepad for off tv play sounds great but, you know what we're not getting? The one most obvious thing that you think Minecraft and Wii U should come with, which is item management on the gamepad. It is not there. The gamepad is not used for any sort of management or any sort of touchscreen-based item, anything. What? <laughs> so, the, so it's like a literal port, sort of? With yeah, it's basically a port with uh, with some proper implementation of off-TV play, and that's it. Nice. But that's crazy to me, because like... I knew something was up when the press release came out and all it said was the gamepad for off-TV play. And I was going to tweet, yeah. let me guess, no IM management, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to be cynical. Maybe they just didn't say it. Then three days later, a developer from Mojang, as you call him, <laughs> uh, tweeted, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We're not doing that. It's like, what? Why are you not doing that? Like, why is literally the most logical thing you can do with Minecraft on Wii U not being done for Minecraft on Wii U? Like, I don't... Yeah, it's a real shame. Because, I mean, not not even like just IM management, but just like... Um... Wait, can you decide this like for play? Like I don't know. 
Cause all they said, the only thing they've confirmed, and judging on the fact that the things they haven't confirmed are turning out not to exist, the only thing they confirmed is off TV play. So I'm pretty sure there's no touch input. Yeah, because I mean, at all, these are things that would have, that would have essentially made like the Wii U version like the perfect version. The because it, cause, yeah, because it has the tools to potentially like to make it as best as possible. Yeah, but it's it's weird to me because like. You're charging... How much does Minecraft... Minecraft users are like 20, right? Or 15 in some cases? I think it's like 40 now. Oh, know. it's up to 40? Because I was going to say, you're charging 30 bucks for a game that's been on systems for like four years. You're not utilizing what's special about and you're throwing in the bare minimum extra DLC to pretend it makes up the difference. I feel like you're missing something here. Maybe they'll do an update. Maybe they'll Splatoon it and have an update later on that changes the game dramatically. But kind of a missed opportunity. At least the saving grace is that um, the developers and Nintendo are actually working together on exclusive content for Minecraft Wii U Edition, which I can only imagine means texture and skin packs based on Nintendo IP. Going back to the idea that Nintendo's putting their IP on everything. Uh, but it's, if you think about it, like on the surface, like, okay, well, cool. Nintendo's games have been on Minecraft for forever. Not official. But now it's official. And if you think about and on that level, it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then you stop and think, wait a minute, that means Nintendo and Microsoft, who owns Minecraft, are collaborating directly. And then you're like, well, that's kind of crazy. And then you think a little further and you do some digging. You're like, oh my god, the Japanese version of Minecraft is literally from Microsoft Game Studios. Here in the U.S. it's being published by um, uh, Mohang, whatever their name is. (laughs) Mojang, directly. Like, the box will not say Microsoft. In Japan, there should be a Microsoft logo on the box of a Nintendo game. That's kind of crazy. And they've done it before. Like, Age of Empires was on there, but it was through THQ. So it uh, it was never directly Microsoft. This is directly Microsoft. Worlds are colliding. I mean, I, who thought after all these years of people saying Nintendo should go third party that Microsoft would beat them to the punch? And even Sony beat them to the punch. Popolokros yeah, is coming to 3DS. Though, just because it's like... It's a little it's, different. It's yeah. Minecraft because I mean, it's not like it's an original creation by Microsoft. It and more like, to the point that they bought it specifically to put on as many things as possible yeah. to get Microsoft accounts it's, on as many things It'd be crazy if it's like, oh, if Halo... Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Halo almost made it to DS back in the day. There was a working uh-huh. build of it. But it was just like, it's just crazy to see them working together. Like, it's almost as weird as Sonic and Mario in the same game. Just not quite the ex- same extreme. For the reason you said, that it's not truly a micro... It's not like Halo, but I still find it crazy. And it opens up doors, like... Who knows? Maybe maybe Minecraft will be in Smash Bros. I mean, it is a big game franchise. Oh, man. I doubt it, but... Hey, Steve could be in it, or the Creeper, or... Maybe just an assist trophy as a little nod. That, I'd be okay with that. I feel like a lot of these things like, can get assist trophies. Yeah. Yeah, I think a Minecraft assist trophy would be kind of fun. And maybe we'll learn about it in the video presentation, because that... Well, depending on when you listen to this episode, it might have already happened. But the video presentation is coming up on Tuesday, December fifteenth, uh, I believe, and it, Nintendo's billing it the fine, billing it as the final Smash Bros. video presentation ever. The final Smash. The final Smash. I can't believe they're not calling it the final Smash. What a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so all they've confirmed is that they're going to talk about Cloud. That would make it sound like it's like the, the end of the franchise. Game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, they said they're going to talk about Cloud and quote more. So whatever more is, I I don't know, but. If this is the last one, what, what would you want to see? Like, I think a Minecraft assist trophy would be a nice little nod, but like um, bigger picture stuff. What would you? What would be your ideal? What do you think? Okay, for, for what while, do you think is actually gonna happen? I don't know for a while. Well, I don't know. Pipe dream. Like for a while, I had thought that um, I had everything I wanted. Like, oh, I already have Bowser, Little Mac, and Mewtwo. Like, I don't really need anyone else. Yeah. But I was like, oh, what? I would have um, after the whole like Gametsu leak. Gematsu. Oh, Gematsu. yeah, Gamatsu, 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 that website, that like, website. Like, ever since, like, they were talking oh, about the that rhythm, yeah, the, the rhythm heavy people, like, that's, like, the last, like, 
video game franchise that I that I love to death. So hopefully there's something. I mean, I would at least take a stage. I mean, we have rhythm heavy music in there. Yeah, in just, stages. Just put a stage for it to be played on. Yeah, I mean, at least a stage. I don't know. I would obviously I would love there to be a character, but I don't know. Realistically. The Smash Bros. Ballot. I don't know. Like, I can't. I can't even. Well, yeah. I feel like that's obviously gonna get announced. It better be Chibi Robo. But I don't know. I feel like every time I feel like playing is safe, we get stuff like Ryu and Cloud. I still can't get over Cloud. So happening. it's kind of like, like, oh, I don't even know, like, to, to play it safe anymore. Like, if I want it to be like, I don't, know, I don't really want to use the word boring, but like, if I want to be boring, just be like, all right, this is like, what if it was gonna happen? They're gonna announce Wolf alongside um, the Sun Turn of Ice Climbers because they figured out the technical hurdles. <laughs> they just put one ice climber, yeah, and just make them twice as strong. Yeah, popo, there, <laughs> done. Yeah, or yeah, and then when he does it, a B like Nana can literally just appear for it and then just disappear when yeah, he just be part of the animation. Yeah, or if Nintendo wants to be their their more um fifty fifty male female split, it'd be Nana and Popo would be the one popping out of the hammer. The or you could just play it either. Oh yeah, alternate costumes. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really very gender neutral with you. Yeah. And um yeah, and then like whichever one you don't pick is the one that saves you. Yeah. Oh, like, dude, I, we I, should I, uh, we should hit up Sakurai and tell him to do I, that. I kind of don't want. Double Knight to be picked, but I don't know. He also kind of seems like he seems like a shoe in. He, he seems like a likely indie property. I would I would prefer. I'm sure a lot of people would dig it. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Whew. I'm so sorry. I would really want Splatoon an inkling to be an inkling would be awesome. It's because that feels like the most potential for a unique an inkling. Style. Not only does it make sense in terms of different playstyle because the ink stuff they could do so much with like diff- I mean different B-moves could be different or a roller versus a bucket versus a gun versus like there's so many opportunities but from a marketing perspective Splatoon and Smash are already bundled together with the Wii U yeah kind of makes sense it, it would almost be weird like when parents got get that bundle like oh wait you mean you can't play this character and this character that's all about Nintendo character yeah it kind of would make sense this game different. has no representation of this game <laughs> and if, there, if there's <laughs> what's um, going on <laughs> the parents had just explode and if there's if there's um little Timmy is so sad now it's always Timmy always Timmy poor Timmy uh and if there's uh if there's not a character at least do an Inkopolis stage cause Inkopolis is such a cool unique looking world yeah. Or any of the world, any of the what? Oh, Inkopolis, yeah, yeah. Isn't Inkopolis just the city it takes place in? Yeah, no, you're right. For yeah. some reason, I I thought that Inkopolis was the name of the the hub, but that's it just, might. But be. that's just Booyah base. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, either yeah. anything like that, any of the levels from Splatoon could become a Smash level, and I think it should. But but what I'm hoping for, I know I said earlier, but just to elaborate, Chibi Robo, yeah. his ziplash. Say what you will about the game, we found it. Decent to good in our last episode, but his Ziplash moveset is, like, custom-made for Smash Bros. Like, I think the developers are claiming they made a side-scroller to make it easier for people to get into Chibi Robo. I think they were, like... I think they were, like, look, Sakurai, please look. Mr. Sakurai, look. We have every move mapped out for you. Just, like, up-res it and stick it in your game and we'll love you forever. Oh, man, and if he has, like, the the little chimes whenever he runs, that'd be awesome. Be so good. I would so love it. Like He was my one ballot vote. But, like, he may not be in it, but, like, if he is in it, or if, if he gets any kind of representation, at the very, very least, I would love for them to put that, the title screen music from the GameCube game. Yes. Like, that, yes. that, that game is just so, like, whimsically fun. I know. Do you imagine the Chibi Robo oh, stage man. is basically, like, a giant... Well, I guess the Chibi Robo stage would be kind of like the Wario... No, uh, the Game of Wario stage where everything's like you're like a little tiny thing you if, know? if anything it'd be like the Nintendoc stage the oh true there. true do you think they're gonna like I mean they they kinda already like kinda stopped the whole exclusivity thing like they already put the 
the Duck Hunt stage that was on the Wii U on the 3DS. Do you think they're going to put any from the 3DS? Like, oh, you know what? Let's just go all out. All the 3DS stages are going to be on the Wii U. Why not? Honestly. I mean, at this point. It's a year It's a year gone by. Anyone that's bought both will still buy both. Like, anyone that's bought both already bought both, most yeah. likely. And anyone that's buying one-offs are buying either version. So, yeah, make make it feature Because, I mean, the 3DS hasn't gotten any new exclusive stages, but the Wii U has. But then there's the weird... Got, yeah, got a pirate ship. Yeah. Yeah. But what's weird to me is, like, Even Cloud... Even that could have probably been on the 3DS, too. Cloud has not been confirmed for 3DS. Or people are misspeaking, but I keep hearing Cloud's coming to Smash Bros. Wii U, and I'm like, and 3DS. And everyone's like, Smash Bros. Wii U, and I'm like, and 3DS. But I... I they must have said both, but for some reason, no one seems to be acknowledging he's coming to 3DS. It definitely... He is. He is. But everyone's like, Smash Bros. for Wii U. Like, every time I read a reference to him, it's like, Cloud I mean, and Smash Bros. for Wii U. I'm like, and I mean, 3DS. I mean, maybe not... I think because at this point, people... Don't care about the 3DS one. Yeah. Honestly, I can't say I blame him. The 3DS one was a good, like, appetizer. But the main course is the Wii U one. And why, after both are on the table, would you ignore your main course and just keep nibbling on the appetizer? Yeah. That's I my mean, great dinner analogy for the day. I mean, like, maybe the stage won't, because, I mean, the Ryu stage, like, didn't really have anything going on in the background, so yeah. it was able to appear on both, but this one definitely seems pretty crazy. I don't know if the 3DS can really nah, probably do not. that. <laughs> probably not, but I... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd definitely stick with, with Cloud on just the Wii U. I mean, the... the Cloud stage or Midgar, oh, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, on just the Wii. Yeah, we're gonna definitely learn more about him and his moveset. We're gonna for sure learn about um, the stage and everything else. Could be who knows what. Uh, maybe one of those Mercedes cars that I've been hearing about. Already, oh, the Mario Maker car. It already came out in Mario Kart. They already came out in Mario Maker. Yeah, why not make him a character at this point? Yeah, there you go. Speaking of which, we should talk about that for a minute. If you guys didn't see this, uh, our listeners. You can now play as a 2D jumping car in Super Mario Maker, which is, like, the best, most ridiculous, like, I product placement's one thing, but when you do product placement that's so absurd, it, like, circles back around to just being cool, I'm 100% okay with that. So, for those who didn't see it, there's a special event course in Mario Maker currently available, made by Mercedes, called Jump and Drive, and you control this little sprite of Mario driving a Mercedes GLA, which is their new SUV. The same one that they were promoting heavily for uh, in Mario Kart 8 a year ago. Then you just drive it through the level and jump it through the level. And it, and instead of climbing, it drives sideways up vines and down flagpoles. It is, like, the best thing because it is so stupid. <laughs> and even even when it jumps, it makes little engine rev sounds, which is just, like, it's so perfect. But anyway, yeah. So um, if you guys haven't played that, it's a free update in Mario Maker. You just go play the event course, and then when you beat it, you unlock the car. And I would yeah, love... I would love for absurdity. Yeah. I mean, like, the Paper Mario, the... The, the, Mario the, the, Mario, the Mar- Paper Mario Jam. Paper Mario Luigi <laughs> Paper, Paper Jam. Jam. Mario <laughs> Luigi Paper Jam one. Yeah. yeah They're having a lot of fun. Or the Link Totem from a few weeks ago. Yeah, like they have... Yeah, it's like, oh, three characters. I mean, why not put the chorus man? Come on, Nintendo. Give it time. At this rate, it could happen. Yeah, I, I have to TV admit... Robles I, have to, I <laughs> have to admit, Mario Maker is almost doing a better job of being more inclusive of the Nintendo TV universe Robles than Smash is these days. Because yeah. Smash is now third-party stuff, but... Mario Maker is like pure Nintendo. Yeah, that's maybe thing. that's, that's why Smash. Too, like, all, the, all the newcomers have been third party. We haven't had like a new Nintendo character, yeah. which which I feel like if there's going to be any new Nintendo character, it would be an Inkling. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like it, a, it have to be. Yeah. Or like, like, what other franchises are there? That's. I mean, Chibi Robo is really like the only. I one. he better be. I swear, if he's not there, I'm gonna like throw something. 
somewhere. Yeah. Probably a piece of paper in the trash, but something. Um, <laughs> You're just sorry. I'll just go... Because if he's not in this update, he's not in any update. Like, this yeah. is the last hurrah, probably. So, But, yeah, I wonder who else could there be? Oh, uh, Dr. Kimishima. Or, nope. <laughs> no, Kimishima's in there. They're present. Dr. Kawas... Brain Age Dude. Yes, this trophy? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's already there. Make him playable, whatever. Uh, I forgot he's there. I guess Chibro could be in this trophy. But... No, Chibro has to be playable. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you suggest he's just an assist trophy? But either way, um, we're, we're going to end up covering the... Um, Smash presentation in our next episode, so tune in for that for our thoughts on that. It's and funny, I'm just like looking out in the room, like, like, huh? Yeah, if there's any, there, there any character, and, and then as I look at like the plush toys on the Skull game, Kid, oh, Winkle, well, Winkle, Winkle, mm. it'll come out in March to tie in with Hyrule Warriors Legends. But I guarantee they're gonna try and make Winkle into a main Nintendo character. The same, you know, that whole thing we're talking about with like Nintendo, like they'll do like a cycle where it's like a petrol machine of new IP characters, like new characters for their IPs, and yeah. they just keep pumping them out. Winkle will become a main character. Wait and see. Because they're all about their gender... This is going to sound super like dumb, but I don't mean it to sound negative. They're all about the gender equality thing right now because their user base is 50-50, male-female. Link and Linkle are a good pair, and I guarantee we'll start seeing Linkle merchandise. I mean, Anuma told IGN in an interview... I think it's going to be in the next Mario Party. Mario Party? <laughs> and Linkle. <Maybe. laughs> but, <laughs> Linkle Party? But, uh... Ooh, it could be a golfing game called Linkle on the Links. But, uh... <laughs> But, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, uh, Anuma was saying in an IGN interview that um, Linkle, they're going to consider for future Zelda games. So it's already happening. Like, the ball, it's already in motion. Linkle's going to become a main character. So maybe Linkle will be in Smash. Who knows? But, I mean, the crossbow thing's pretty cool about her anyway. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but we'll definitely cover it next episode. So tune in for that, folks. Um, in the meantime, let's switch gears to our final bit of news, which is, how about some November sales numbers? I realized how weird of a sentence that was as I was saying it. Because I said which is and then proceeded to ask a question. Point being, we have November sales numbers. And uh, it's interesting. So this is for the month of November here in the U.S. And um, as a whole, the industry did pretty well. It was up 2% overall uh, year over year, driven by pretty strong hardware sales of PS4, which brought in 1.54 million consoles in just November. And Xbox One, which sold one point, just shy of 1.3 million in November. To put those in perspective and to make your slow clap truly worthwhile, uh, the Wii is the all-time record holder with 2.04 million sold in November of 2008. And second place came in at 1.74 million. So these guys are right behind, like coming up on second pretty fast. So Wii's still the, the big threshold, but they're getting there. And in all, all the 8th gen consoles, which is PS4, Xbox One, and Wii U combined, together in the month of November, sold over 3 million total. So for those of you who thought, oh, next gen's not taking off, boy, are you wrong. Next gen is taking off in big ways. You don't usually sell 3 million in a month like that. Um, in fact, it's the highest number those three together have ever sold. And it represents 93% of all hardware sales in November. Poor 3DS coming in with only seven, less than 7%. Well. But yeah. Uh, so where's Nintendo stand in all this is the real question, all the hardware successes. And uh, they didn't put out any official PR this month, and that's never a good sign. Uh, but according to some very reliable folk who uh, are sharing numbers, the Wii U brought in, before I say a number, just remember, PS4 sold 1.5 million. The Wii U brought in 240,000 units oh. in total in the month of November. Now... That obviously pales in comparison to PS4 and Xbox One, but I should mention that's actually in line with what Nintendo did a year ago. So that's like every single person in a very small town buying one? A very small <laughs> town. Well, a decent-sized town. 
but town, not city, town. <laughs> that, that's but, kind of impressive. Just like I keep this picture an entire town, like going out to the store. Buying, just be like, let's buy weed. But then for literally, everyone. no one else did. Yeah, basically, yeah. it's like some little town in Nebraska. Just like, oh man, they loved Wii U, <laughs> but no one else in America does. But I should say, in the context of the Wii U, that's actually good. It sold almost the exact same number it sold in November of last year. It rose a whopping. 0.1% in sales. Yes, 0.1 between 2014 and 2015's November's. So that's actually not bad if you think about it because um, Smash Bros. came out last November. So Nintendo was able to match the sales of the launch of Smash Bros., the hardware sales of the from the month that Smash Bros. launched, without having a big November game. They did it with the Smash and Splatoon bundle. They did it with the Mario Kart bundle discounts. That's why we saw things like Target.com saying Wii U was the best-selling system on Black Friday on their website. Because you didn't have Smash Bros. You had bundles and other things and Splatoon and Mario Maker and whatnot that could at least keep the sales afloat. They didn't sink. They just stayed afloat. Hmm. And they didn't go much higher. But for comparison, in case you're wondering... The GameCube, this is the 3rd November for the Wii U, came out in 2012 or in 2015. The 3rd November for the GameCube, which was 2004, it managed to move 754,000 units versus the Wii U's current uh, 240. And the closest failure of a system in terms of sales numbers was the PS3 in its 3rd November, which sold um, 378,000. So still significantly higher than what the Wii U sold this November. So kind of a bummer. But you can't really blame the you can't really blame the Wii U itself because it's really Nintendo's November releases that uh, made it only stay level with last year and not exceed that. Case in point, again, Nintendo didn't release these numbers, but thanks to leakers, we got them. And you can see why Nintendo didn't release them. Case in point, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash and Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. I totally both, forgot those games came out. They came out, and everyone else forgot too because they did not sell anything. So, to give you an idea, Ultra Smash moved less... The Mario Tennis game moved less than 50,000 units. That's low for a Mario sports game. For comparison, when um, Mario, Te- Mario Power Tennis came out on GameCube, it moved just shy of 100,000 units, 98,000. And it wasn't released on Nintendo's holiday weekend that they released their biggest game of the year on traditionally. Ultra Smash was. So on the weekend before Black Friday, the, the, the weekend that Nintendo always sees its biggest, highest profile release with the huge sales, they sold a game that sold half of what its GameCube counterpart sold so many years ago. Kind of sad. Um, separately, Amiibo Festival fared equally bad. It also sold somewhere under 100,000. I don't know the exact number. The leakers would not say. And by the way, to be clear, these leakers are people from the NPD, so they're pretty official. But um, uh, it did not say... They did not say a specific number, but it was under 100,000. And for comparison, Animal Crossing City Folk, when it came out in November 2008, at the time, it was considered somewhat of a bomb, and it underperformed. It still managed to move 200,000 units at its launch. So Amiibo Festival couldn't even match half of what the then-considered a bomb... City Folk did. So not a good month for Nintendo. Not a good month. Although, to be fair, Amiibo Festival is a spinoff, so that hinders it a little. Versus City Folk, which was the next main entry. But even 2008, that was the last like week Nintendo November. Yeah, that's both. I mean, especially because it came with Amiibo. So yeah. It's like, oh, Amiibos aren't selling the game. Yeah, to, to really put some sting in Nintendo. Let's back off from making Amiibo-based games. Because clearly that's like, type of game you want to make well it's less amiibo based games it's more crappy amiibo based games yeah exactly yeah uh but we have to scan your amiibo every single time that was so serious. everything about that game is a mistake not everything i take it back 
80% of that game is a mistake. But um, just to put a little extra sting in how Wii U software did, the only game for the Wii U that landed in the top 10 for November in terms of the overall sales chart was Just Dance 2016. Except the main reason Just Dance 2016 landed there was because its best-selling version was for the Wii. Let me be clear. Just Dance 2016 is on Wii U and Wii. The version that sold best across every platform was the version for the 2006 Wii, the one without the U in it, the one that is, like, old and no one plays anymore and no one buys anymore and isn't even for sale anymore. That version is what helped it reach the number 10 spot. The Wii U sold second place, to its credit. It outsold PS4, it outsold Xbox One. But the Wii version is a trophic success, which is insane. It's, like, the only game still released on Wii. And you asked, oh, you asked how? Um, if you think about it, there are 100 million people out there that own Wiis. And there are a lot of people that just want to buy their kid a dancing game for the holidays, their little girl or whatever, or boy. Just dance. And yeah, just, 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 just dance in 2016. Just go. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a very affordable gift for a lot of people where you don't have to buy a whole new machine. That's how. Hmm. For, and, th- and especially if you have little kids that like to dance to that stuff, because um, why buy your kid like a PS4 if he's like five or she's five and she just wants to like flail around holding a Wiimote to Katy Perry or whatever? So so it makes sense that of all games to do it, it'd be that one, but it speaks volumes about Nintendo's performance this month. And I mean, this month was dominated by a lot of blockbusters. Number one is Call of Duty Black Ops 3, which actually outsold last year's Call of Duty year over year, which is surprising. It had a stronger launch. Number two was Fallout 4, no surprise there. Number three was Star Wars, Star Wars Battlefront, no surprise there. So it was a very heavy list of like the heavy hitter like Western franchises. Maybe Star Fox dodged the bullet by not coming out. It probably time. would not have done all that great, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Wii U, but how about the 3DS? But I guess it's still not the only furry creature that will go up against Star Wars, or that was going to go up against Star Wars. What else is going up against Star Wars? Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, that's right. <laughs> They're going on a road trip. <laughs> that's right. Uh, fun story about that. My dad went to a conference, and they were somewhere here in L.A., and they were filming scenes for the movie at the hotel, like exterior shots. But what's weird is they were doing this, it was like six weeks ago. <laughs> And the movie comes out next month. <laughs> or, like, maybe it was two months ago, but it must have been reshoots or something, but I've never heard of them doing it that close together. Anyway, so that's Wii U. Uh, 3DS, could that perhaps be the saving grace of Nintendo's holiday lineup? At first, I thought, yes, maybe, because um, what came up the year? Nintendo, well, there was Yo-Kai Watch, there was Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, there was Zelda, Triforce Heroes, there were some things. Did I buy I didn't buy any of those. You did not. But, so here's why I thought maybe the 3DS had a chance. Then I saw the numbers, and I'm like, nope, had no chance. But the reason I thought I had a chance is because Nintendo of America's marketing executive, Scott Moffat, said in an interview with the Washington Post, a very respectable newspaper and website, that uh, 3DS sales in 2015 are ahead of where they were in 2014, as in the total number of sales going into the holidays is higher than it was last year, so it's outpacing previous sales. So I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe that means it's actually picking up steam after a lackluster summer. But of course I was totally wrong. And I should have realized that in the back of my mind, I knew they've spun it all year. Why would they change the spin? And sure enough, the 3DS did not do well. Um, it had the boost in the spring from the 3DS XL launch. It had a second, or the new 3DS XL launch. It had a second, probably smaller boost when Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer came out with that normal size new 3DS launching. But based on MPD leaks, no hard numbers, just the unfortunate confirmation that. Hardware is down year over year, and software is down significantly year over year. 3DS is struggling. And, I mean, 
to its credit, you cannot repeat the double whammy of Super Smash Bros. for 3DS and Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire this year with the games that are currently out and expect, you know, you can't expect the same sales numbers. So software being down makes sense. Hardware being down, well, that kind of sucks. Um, mm. I feel like of all the games that would have done well this holiday, Nintendo was positioning Yo-Kai Watch to be the one. Uh, I mean, as a whole, the franchise just passed 10 million copies sold, or shipped, I mean, in the world. 10 million copies. That's pretty good for a franchise that's only a couple years old. Um, and yet, there's a complete lack of details on its sales numbers, which is never a good sign, in my opinion. And on top of that, the Yo-Kai Watch 2DS bundle, the $100 bundle, that's a really good deal. Walmart's already selling it for 80 I don't know if it's a flash sale or permanent or what, but they already dropped the price on it. Mm. It's been less than a month. Maybe time to so, get it. So, I think your Kaiwatch might not be quite the thing Nintendo hoped. Now, I assume Nintendo isn't thrilled about any of this. I found this weird report. I didn't even know they tracked these things, but I found a report that outlined how much marketing Nintendo did this November. They spent $7 million on fifteen to air 15 different commercials in the November alone that ran over 2,000 uh, 2, times on a whole bunch of networks, including Disney XD and Cartoon Network, Whoa. and they still didn't have crazy success. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon was the one they advertised the most. We know Yo-Kai Watch had a huge marketing push. Neither of those charred. We don't know the numbers for either of them. Ouch. Now, to be fair, of all games, those are two that could have the most that could easily have the longest legs. Those are the ones that I think in December, when parents are actually like, "Oh, it's crunch time. I really need to get gifts for Christmas." Those are the types of things they're gonna buy. So we could see them surface in December. But not a good start. Not a good start. So overall, I'd say that this is probably one of the weakest Novembers I could ever remember happening. And it's definitely making it clear that 2015 is the transitional year for Nintendo as they pivot into their IP plan and their you know their IP strategy and their and the NX and whatever else. And while the US is pretty meh, at least Nintendo's holding their own in Japan. Monster Hunter Cross launched in Japan recently. Already the third best-selling eShop downloadable title of all time that in Japan. Awesome. It has surpassed Smash Bros., which Whoa. was like number nine, actually, which is weird. Faster than Smash Bros. sold. It has crossed two million, co- two million copies shipped in Japan alone, and it's boosting hardware sales over there, too. So while in the U.S. it might not be so great for 3DS in Japan, Monster Hunter saving the day. And if Nintendo needs to take sauce in some fact of who, that they're better than someone, they just need to look at Sega, because this is just, just an aside... Sega just announced that they're dropping their profit forecast by 90%. Almost all the way due to weak sales, delayed releases, and a shift to focusing on mobile. So at least Nintendo has never dropped their profit forecast by 90%. That's 9-0. That's almost the whole thing. That's insane. So, Nintendo, you had a crappy November, but that's okay because you are not dropping your profit by 90%. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much... Um, I'm really curious to see what December holds. Like I said, I think Pokemon and Yo-Kai have some legs. So, and maybe some other stuff too. Xenoblade could chart, and probably not, but could. Maybe Devil's Third will chart. Maybe there's a secret, like... It will. Yeah, you think so? I don't even think they shipped enough copies for it to chart <laughs> if they wanted to. They buried it on the eShop. If you go to the eShop, it's not even on the feature new releases. You have to, like, search for it. Wow. There was zero faith in that game. Can't say I blame them, but... But yeah, so that pretty much does it for news. Now let's talk about things we've done. Like, played and been to. Um... Guess we'll start with the Game Awards. We oh. Well, we went to the Game Awards here in L.A. Yeah, $30 parking. $30 parking, because L.A. Live sucks. That's the venue. Um, but yeah, the Game Awards were fun. It, uh, I think, I mean, everyone watched it online. That was interested. So it, what's interesting is when you're there in person is how, like, this is true of every award show, but you don't think about it. 
You know when they cut to commercial during an award show? What happens in the theater? The answer is nothing. The sc- the lights dim like halfway, and then you can see the commercials on screen, and then you watch them sweep the stage, and then the lights come back up, and there's the next thing. So it makes for a weird viewing. Like it was really cool to go. Really cool. Like I really glad we seeing like a lot of familiar faces. Like we saw yeah. our like our local Nintendo rep. Yeah, he was actually sitting right next to us the yeah. whole time. You took a picture for him, uh, and yeah, and or like. Like, okay, I guess we should outline it a bit better. Because I just thought that was weird. Because everyone watches award shows, and that's the first thing I thought of when we're sitting there. Like, people don't realize that when they cut to those Go90 ads, which there are way too many of, um, nothing's happening in the theater. We're just kind of hanging out. Which was cool, because we saw all sorts of people coming and going. You know, we saw... I got to meet Kit from Nintendo, of the Nintendo Minute videos. Uh, Reggie was there. Um, Mark, Hamill. Mark Hamill was there. Well, everyone that was on stage, obviously, we saw in person. Yeah. Uh, we got to see the churches perform. Dead Mouse do his Tim weird Schaefer. thing. Tim Schaefer. Funny story about Tim Schaefer. So there was an after party at the Game Awards in addition to the Game Awards. So anyone, or not anyone, but we somehow won tickets to the Game Awards through Twitter luck. And then from there, they invited us to the after party, which, by the way, was almost the same level of, like, star power as the awards, and that Skrillex closed the after party. He played till 1 a.m. It was, along with some other DJs, like, Boys Noise. I was, I'm not even a big EDM guy at all, but I was like, how, that is big talent to get. Like, that's on par with Dead Mouse closing the show, except he actually did a good job on, like, Dead Mouse. But, um, yeah, that was impressive. But in the after party, like, you're there, and you just see all those people that were at the awards just kind of hanging out. There's a VIP section, but, like... If you ever wanted to watch Tim Schafer, like, conga line past you during an EDM, like, dubstep drop, that happened. So, so there's cool things like that. Or if you want to, like, meet him while he's playing Pac-Man, that also happens. But, um, yeah, it's just the, the going and being there in person is really cool because it really did feel like, like, Jeff Keighley keeps saying the idea is, like, oh, we want to bring the industry together and everyone, you know, like, it's, never mind, like, the console wars is about celebrating games as a thing and being there it did feel like that like you saw you just look around the room and it's like a who's who of the industry yeah. and it's cool to be able to they i mean we didn't do it too much but especially at the after party they were all very approachable so you just had to wait for the right moment but they were no one was like oh i'm too important for this like everyone was there for the same reason they love video games they make video games they like video games so you could pretty much go up to anyone just be like hey the, the, i like this or i like that but um yeah, I'd say if, if the awards are ever in your town, wherever you may live, you know, if you're in, like, Pawnee, Indiana, and the awards come to town, I would go. It's I'd say it was a cool yeah, experience. Like reasonably priced. I still don't know if I would have paid 30 bucks. I right. did end up having we did to go pay to 30 bucks in the end because of the parking. But, I mean, I, I don't regret going. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... But then there are the awards itself. We should talk about the show itself. Because yeah, we're talking about, I mean, like... It's because, I mean, you can watch it online. It's like, I don't know. But I like being at things in person. I always have. Like, I'd go back for sure. Like That's, a, that's what I'm saying. It's a for yeah. the right price. It, like, I don't think it was worth 30 bucks if I could just watch it from the comfort of my home. Right, right. And and we should... And speaking of that, we might... Like I said, like, 20 would have been how much I would have been willing to pay. Counting. Yeah. The, the parking. Well, we no, didn't no, have no, parking. No, 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 no. Not counting parking. The counting fees? The, yeah, the convenience fee. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, we ended up getting it for free. So I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was cool. Thank you, you never, Jeff Keighley. You never and, turned down and, a, a free... Tickets. Yes, thank you to Jeff Keighley and the Game Slice folk for hooking us up with that. I mean, it was a Twitter contest, but, like, we were in talks. Like, we were chatting with Game Slice and getting, like, everything squared away. So that was cool of them to do that. So thank you. But, yeah, no, the award show itself, I thought, was really good. It um, It's interesting because, like, we watched the first year when it was in Vegas here, actually. We streamed it on your computer right here. And then the second year, we went in person. And it's interesting, like, the vibe is definitely 
different. Like, I can't speak to how the production was handled the second year, or because we didn't watch the stream, but the first year it definitely had some, like, it had some pacing issues and stuff like that, and the second year, this year, while it was definitely still in its infancy, I think they really addressed a lot of stuff. They kept it two hours, so it didn't drag too much. They um, it, they had a lot more awards on stage, which was nice. I thought it was nice that when a game won multiple awards, instead of just taking up three full hours where they keep re-awarding the same game, for the most part, they did stuff where they would just say the second award. Like when Splatoon won Best Multiplayer, I was like, oh, by the way, also Best Shooter. Like, that sort of thing was, you know, like on the PA or yeah. over. Like, I thought that was a nice way to keep the show going. But on the flip side, I could see why, and I saw this online after, a lot of people were like, you didn't show enough awards still. And that's true. There were some games that, like, just got a mention casually. It's like, how do you pick... Yeah, it almost kind of makes that award feel not very important. Less important. Like, I think it works fine if the game's already on stage and you're winning two awards and they're just like, hey, it won this, and here's the same guy gonna make a second speech, that's okay. But there were a couple where Jeff Keighley's off to the side on his little side stage. It's just like, oh, by the way, we gave an award to this game, this other game that's yeah, not even getting any airtime. It really Isn't that just cool? catches you off guard because they're yeah. like, like, oh, award is going on, everything's normal, and then all of a sudden Jeff Keighley goes, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought that could have been handled better. I thought, um, no. yeah, when it again, if it was a game that was being featured on stage already, that's fine. But to have some game that didn't get a chance to shine, not get a chance, I thought was weird for a thing that's all about celebrating games. Yeah, or but, sometimes they would just be talking about like a developer, like with yeah. seemingly out of context, and then they're like, oh, which just won an award for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he'd be like, hey, yeah, I love you know who's great, Naughty Dog. I love Uncharted. Don't you? Speaking of which, they won an award. Anyway, let's talk about trending yeah, gamer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I thought actually, I thought trending gamer was kind of a weird category. Like I understand why they did, it, but I thought the speech that Greg gave uh-huh. was really good for what the event was. Cause yeah, like. Splatoon won Best Multiplayer and Best Shooter, which was awesome. Mario Maker won Best Family Game. Great for Nintendo. Reggie accepted that. He's just a figurehead for Nintendo. There are hundreds of people that are involved, and I know they can't bring up hundreds of people. It's just like at the Oscars, they don't bring up the crew, they just bring up the cast. But I thought it was nice that someone at some point actually like took a moment to like spend time dwelling on the fact that there are these thousands of people that make some of these blockbusters and that they deserve at least a moment of recognition. And speaking yeah. of recognition, I thought the Iwata thing was really good. I was very happy they did that. Like, it was, it was probably the only time Nintendo's going to publicly, like, discuss his passing in that yeah, manner. It was actually kind of what I, for some reason, thought they were going to do something similar in that direct instead of just kind of like a passing comment. Yeah, yeah. The direct, I was kind of surprised. It's like, yeah, so the first one since Iwata. But the way, like, I thought Reggie gave a really nice speech. Like, I mean, it was def He still had his Reggie, like, marketing intonations going. But, like, I thought it was... It was, really, it was really nice. And, like, I was kind of surprised. They, like, getting someone like Ben Harper, he's a pretty big name in the music world. So, like, yeah, relatively. So getting him to come out, and then I think he covered a Pearl Jam song. I don't even think that was his own song. But talk, doing a whole I song about, about youth and stuff, like, I just thought that was really nice. What, what would have been cool is if behind him, when he was performing, instead of just being the red screen, possibly some sort of montage, but that might come off too cheesy. So I thought they handled it really well. And what I've read after the fact is Jeff Keighley, when he was talking about his experiences with Iwata, that was unscripted. None of that was going to be discussed. He was just like, I want to, you know, take a moment to personally talk about it. So that was nice. And everyone in the theater seemed to really like it. And, like, there's definitely, like... Oh, man, the reaction to Ko- Kojima. Oh, my God. That was the other moment I wanted to discuss was... That was another off-script thing is yeah. when... So Konami are a bunch of idiots. And instead of just laying their developer leave, they're, like, keeping him under all sorts of weird contracts. And long, they say he's on vacation, but he's clearly left the company. He's clearly been fired as Konami ships to mobile games. And they wouldn't let him go to... A pachinko machine. Yeah. And they wouldn't let him go to the Game Awards and get award 
for the game he created, Metal Gear Solid Five, and then Jeff Keighley off script again. He said as much in a Reddit Q and A that it was totally unplanned. Just called him out on it. And the, that and the Iwata thing were the two times in that room that is really like, oh, regardless of what system you're a fan of, regardless of what game you're rooting for, everyone was like super unified. Like the Iwata thing, I was like, oh, that's very nice. And then the Kojima thing, I've never, I think that's louder than any applause, that booing. Yeah. Like that's one of those things where it's like, that's why I, why I like being in the theater when that stuff happens. Because like, that's like a communal moment of hate. <laughs> but it was, yeah, that was, I'm glad he called him out because that is so unfair to Kojima. Like he doesn't deserve that. And then he gets tweeted, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was... Konami's probably never going to sponsor that award show again, but then again, they probably won't have anyway because they don't make games anymore. But yeah, I thought the award show overall was very well done. You could tell it was in its infancy still in terms of some... There's some weird ebbs and flows. And like Dead Mouse's closing performance was the weirdest thing. Like, I get it. He, he made this whole Twitter rant after. He's like, guys, not every song has to have a drop. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, building to something and have a chorus. It's like, sure, but also you don't need to just play the ghost house music with oomch, oomch, oomch under it and then fade that into the Bowser music with oomch, oomch under it and then literally fade out and say, I don't know if the cameras caught this. I don't think they did, but if you were in the theater, he went, that's it, go home. Like, the music just fade out and he said that after no one clapped because no one knew what was going on. And everyone was just like, do we, do we leave? What? What? So that, like, little things like that, I don't know if the cameras picked up, but it was, it was a weird experience. But, but yeah, I have to give props to Jeff Keighley. That award show was, like, really, there was a lot of fancy production there. That set was super, you couldn't see it on the video. The details in that set were super, super cool. Like, the, um, those lights that were shooting up above the stage, kind of outward, they were screens. And oh, yeah, during commercial cool, breaks, yeah. they had little Pac-Man ghosts running around them and stuff. Or just random stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, random other game references, just random panels. And, like, during the Metal Gear Solid uh, music performance, they turned it into a sky. And, like, it was really impressive. And, like, those, um, the whole back wall was a screen. So what you saw on your stream was obviously, like, if they cut to a game trailer, it'd take up your whole view. For us, we could watch two side screens where there's a game trailer. Or we could look dead ahead. The trailer would be there, and they would sync up the rest of the stage line with some of the trailer. So they were almost doing, like, extra production for the people in the theater, which is kind of cool. Which makes sense, given that, you know, the developers that had their games available probably sing right there and want it to look nice. But, yeah, yeah it's cool. It's I think... Cool I, yeah, go ahead. No, it's a pretty cool event overall. Yeah, I was, I was very happy with it. I, I think I think it's great gaming actually has something like this that respects it well. Um, I was kind of surprised so many people wore t-shirts. Yeah. I feel like you... There, there, there were... I would say there were more people on the formal side, but there were definitely... I don't know, I'd say like a third of them, maybe a fourth, like, were just like, they were going over to their friend's house to play, like, some Smash Brothers. And yeah, and it's just like, something. like, I mean, I, we didn't dress, you could actually see us on the live stream, they moved us, we were originally saying literally smack in the middle, and then they moved us to like the seventh row, literally right under Jeff Keighley's hand whenever they did those side shots. So if you want to look for us, we were dressed, I wouldn't say we were dressed in suits, but we were wearing like nicer, I was wearing like a nicer jacket and shirt and stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was, and, and again, um, one perk of going to these things is the after party was kind of cool. I mean, even if you're not, you don't care about Skrillex or anything, what they did is they took over this huge event space next door, like a tent on the roof of LA Live, the and they put a free arcade with like 30 machines. They had multiple bars in there, and then they had like giant floor-to-ceiling uh, Sega Genesis, Genesis screens you could play, and it was like those all-in-ones that Sega now licenses out, and they had like four of those screens, and you just play whatever Sega games you want, or you just walk to the back, and boom, DJ set. And the nice thing was because the Game Awards aren't huge it was a very close you could get extremely close to the front for Skrillex or whatever and have a great view and it was all free 
the after party. So it was I it was very cool overall. And I think I think I'm looking for I think uh, I hope it's in LA again. And I know I'm looking forward to it happening. It sounds like 2016 is a go ratings wise. Actually, did quite well. Twenty um, percent increase in viewers this year. They had 2.3 million people over the two hours it aired versus less than 2 million last year. Over a billion Twitter impressions. There were 279,000 tweets from 175,000 people. We were two of them. Uh, multiple times over. Mm, is that because they hashtagged? Did you hashtag? Nope. Not at all? Mm-mm. Oh, well, no, I think they I, I think they just looked for the key phrase. Oh. Game Awards. And, um, yeah, it sounds like tw- it's coming back next year. And it sounds like Jokili wants to do an all-day eSport tournament leading into the award show, which is a very game-centric pre-show that makes a lot more sense like a red carpet. Well, yeah, didn't they announce that, um, what was it? Some channel, Shaq, something about... Oh, yeah, Shaq and... No, it wasn't... Yeah, Shaq, who works for Turner, announced uh, that TBS is getting an eSport reality competition series. That's yeah, somewhat online, somewhat on TV. And it actually looks... If you were to see an eSports show, that is how you should do it. It doesn't look like it's trying too hard to be like, oh, gaming, yeah, that, that thing. It's just like, you yeah. know what games are. Yeah, this is for you. It reminds me of the, the documentary by Valve about um, Dota 2. Yeah, yeah, I had that same that vibe. That was pretty good. Yeah, and I think, actually speaking of documentaries, I think one cool thing that was kind of underutilized that they should do more of maybe around the Game Awards next year where those little like uh, vignettes about indie developers using Unity. I know they were just glorified ads. But they were worked on by the guys that did Indie Game, the movie, which is a great movie, a great documentary. So I think if they did something like that about, like, getting to know the developers of some of the nominees next year as, like, pre-hype leading into the awards, that could be really cool. Because, like, they did one for the Westwood Studios guys when they won the uh, Legends Award or whatever it's called. They did, like, this whole thing about, like, the backstory of Command & Conquer and all that. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, I know about Command & Conquer, but people that are five, six years younger than us don't. And it was a really cool way how they tied it in. Like, you wouldn't have Dota, you wouldn't have League of Legends. None of that would exist without this first. You wouldn't have Hearthstone. There wouldn't have been, indirectly, yeah. And there mm-hmm. wouldn't have been Warcraft and yah yah. So it's, I thought that was cool. And I want to see, I would love to see Jeff Keighley do more of that next year. And also, I would love for Nintendo to actually announce something next year. Last year, they dominated that show. The Koji Kondo Imagine Dragon's performance is still my favorite thing the game, any video game Watch has ever done. I thought it was really cool. They Nintendo had multiple announcements last year. They closed with Zelda. This year... This year, Nintendo just had the Iwata thing. And maybe that's a conscious choice because they just wanted to pay respect to Iwata. And maybe it was because they don't really have much to say until 2016. But I feel like it's a missed opportunity for anything, really. Because the, the reveals... Psychonauts 2 was cool. That was unexpected. Everything else, the world premieres were more like, hey, here's an update on a game we announced a couple months ago. The exclusions mm. being the Telltale Batman game. Yeah, that was interesting. And... Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2, and it was, I think there was one other surprise. That was truly uh, something new. Far Cry No, Primal, Primal was already announced, so that's just the first gameplay. Um, which is what was so weird. They actually pulled the Mortal Kombat, they were supposed to unveil new Mortal Kombat X characters, but when we were sitting there, right as the show was starting, I leaned over to you and said, oh, look what just leaked, and they actually mm. pulled it from the award show, completely. So they were shuffling the show in real time, and moving things around in real time, which might be why um, Dead Mouse ended so like, um, I remember... I think it was a few days ago, they released the teaser for the Ninja Turtle 2 movie. Right. And then at the end of the teaser, it says, um, trailer dropping tomorrow. And then, like, maybe 30 minutes later, it leaks. And yep. then... And then the trailer's out two hours later. Yeah, and then they yeah. officially read it. Oh, you just gotta ride it out. Yeah, that's how it is these days. So I, th- I think the fact that they're f- switching things on the fly excuses some of the pacing issues. Are you really looking forward to that movie? It looked way better than the first one. Yeah... I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of glad the first one just got all that stuff out of it that they felt yeah. they needed to go through. 
and they got that song out of the way. Don't they should never do Shell Shocked in the sequel? <laughs> God, I can't believe they got Wiz Khalifa and Juicy J to rap about their Lamborghinis being orange like Michelangelo, and they're gonna uh, get that cheddar like the shredder. Like the fact that those are real lyrics from real like actual rappers shocks me. <laughs> so they go to sleep going, <sighs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, so that's the Game Awards in a nutshell. It was really cool. I, it was really fun. Um, we were going to put up an article originally, kind of talk about what it was like inside, but really there wasn't much to say. And the photos, you saw it all on the live stream, so we just, I scrapped the yeah, idea. We covered everything. Yeah, we got everything. It was it was fun, though. And um, pro, I mean, honestly, props to Jeff Keighley for pulling this off. Like, he lost money on it last year. He did again this year. They broke even, at least. But he put in like a million bucks last year mm-hmm. of his own money. Like, it's really cool that there's someone in the industry that actually cares this much. Well, and he's a nice guy. And if you ever want to see him jump around to Skrillex, I've done that. That was something. Wow. He looked so tired, though. Like, he was like, 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 okay, everyone, get into it. And, like, people would be jumping. I look over at him, and he's just kind of nodding. And then he'd, like, occasionally jump and then go back to nodding. And, like, oh, he's, like, falling asleep standing there probably. He's in the VIP behind the stage. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, not that I'm creeping on him. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> he's your BFF, apparently. Yeah, we've had two Twitter exchanges. But, no, if and he's not listening. But in the off chance, Jeff Keighley's listening. Keep it up. The, the show's really cool. I, I'm really happy it exists. And with that, you're playing Dimension Remastered, aren't you? That's a yeah, that's yeah. not even an attempt at transition. I just just like pivot. <laughs> so yeah, tell tell everyone about it. So Dimension Remastered, as you can tell by the title, is a remaster of the DS game Dimension. I missed out on that game and Dimension Two and Moon. And <laughs> pretty much all. I got just like a never-ending list. Pretty much all the Renegade. All the Renegade Kid games that came out on DS, so I was pretty happy to find out that they were getting remastered, so I got to play Moon, and I got to play Dimension End. It's fun. It's, um, going in, since I didn't play the first one, but I have seen footage, so I knew, like, a little what to expect as far as, like, gameplay or pacing, and at first I was kind of expecting, like, uh, something like a first-person Resident Evil game, but it ended up being a lot faster-paced, and... Um, just out of curiosity, I would, like, I was, like, hearing, like, developer commentary, so I watched Jules some videos on, and he was just kind of playing through, like, the first segment of the game, and just kind of, like, oh, like, pointing out some of the changes, like, oh, like, we have, like, better textures, and a lot of things that he kept on bringing up was just how much they're trying to make it feel like a more modern shooter, how they increase the speed, how they increase, like, the, the walking speed, the reload speed, um, like, things, like, to make it more, like, snappy and just faster, and... I feel like those changes, um, at least, like, I feel like those changes explained how I felt while playing it, which was that I didn't really feel like my character's life was ever really in a lot of danger, mm-hmm. because I always felt like I was faster than the zombies. I always felt like I could react to, react to any everything fast enough. Right. And, um, and it doesn't do the, like, what a lot of, I guess, um, I, I guess this is kind of, like, um, like, something that they maybe missed, or maybe was intentional, but... What a lot of modern horror games is that do is that when you pause the game, like the game kind of keeps going, so you can't exactly pause. But in this one, when like a monster's coming right at you, you can literally like like press the inventory button on your touch screen, which is really fast and intuitive. Um, but the moment you touch it, like the game kind of freezes, like it's like freeze frame. Like, mm. all right, do you want to use your gun or your baton? And the monster's just kind of right there. You can just kind of like take your time to like, think about everything. Right. It's like, all right, this I wonder, is a plan of action. I wonder if part of that is because the 3DS on like a console, you, you can just snap shut and it suspends instantly. So I wonder if they're like, well, if people can circumvent any sort of not real pause menu, we might as well give them a real pause menu to pick your weapon. Yeah, you know so I mean? I mean, it might have also been like just a limitation, but I mean, what I mean, whatever the reason was, yeah, 
like you're never really it's not like um zombie you where you're kind of like worried for your life with every corner yeah um but this one what it does do really well it's like um it does kind of just make you feel like uh, like uneasy with just the environment like there's like a lot of like if you play with headphones like you hear like the the monsters in the room so like even though you can kind of outrun them you still have to decide all right do i want to fight them Am I going to have to fight them? Do I want to fight them? Or do I just kind of want to blow, like, run through? Right. And you do have a map from the very beginning, but it is still kind of up to you, like, to kind of explore and feel around, like, where you want to go. So, like, oh, do I still want to run around? Like, I don't know. That door is locked. So you may want to clear out the enemies first. So you do you do get more options that way. At least, as opposed to if it, if it was slower, you are probably forced to fight out every single monster because you probably could not run them. Mm-hmm. And the monsters, like, they're... I'm just gonna, well, I don't want to call them zombies because they're definitely not zombies, but they're pretty fast. Like, even though you could kind of run faster than them, they're, they still, like, kind of, yeah, they, 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 like, beeline it for you, like, the moment <laughs> they see you. And it can be, and it does look pretty creepy. Like, um, there's been a few times where, like, I know, like, a monster's around the corner because, like, they're kind of grunting. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of getting yourself ready, but then since they come out, like, you do kind of, like, jolt sometimes. And there are also these, like, I think what I like best about, um, I don't know, it's weird, like, I like horror games, but I don't really like being scared. I definitely don't like horror movies. You don't like jump scares, you like atmospheric scares. I don't know, but I also like being jump scared, like, I kind of like... you don't like being scared, you said that. I know, it's kind of... You're a walking contradiction. Yeah, <laughs> because, like, I don't... I don't know, like, I, don't, I guess I like the the rush of, like, the sure. horror, like, oh, sure. you got me. I don't know, it's fun. <laughs> you got me, game, you got mm-hmm. me. I don't know, yeah, I guess I just like the theme, but it's, like, yeah. one of those things that, I don't know. Like a fear junkie, I don't know, but um, adrenaline junkie, junkie. It is the rush of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. But um, like, cause when you're running, when you when you choose the running away option, you, I guess that feeling that you have like these things like really chasing after you is like, oh my god, get to the door, get to the door, oh my right, god. Right, right. And like, you can't just like run to the door and it'll just open automatically. You have to um press the open command, like the action button, and that split second can make all the difference huh yeah and like cause there's a room where like pretty early in the game where there's like these like flying heads that just like are just screaming like banshees and it's kind of creepy and they also look very creepy but you can't kill them and you kind of learn that the hard way after dying once after shooting them repeatedly and so your only option is to run and you have to run down a pretty long hallway and then like make like a left turn into another door and since you can't kill them and you just have to run like you have to like kind of like dodge them shoot them and then like you hear them behind you cause they're just screaming and you're just like, oh my god, I gotta make it in. Because, like, a few hits from them will kill you. Right. So, uh, there is a lot of, like... There's a lot of cool moments like that where you feel like you're under... I don't want to say stress, but you're... Pressure. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. There's, a, there's tension. And, um... Which, for a game like this, is crucial. So, it sounds like they yeah, know that that's aspect. Cool. And, I mean, controls, like... I don't know, like, I hear, like, some people complain about the controls, but I, I honestly think they're fine. I, I mean, I... If you play Metroid Prime Hunters, they're the exact same Oh, so controls. it's touchscreen-based. Yeah. For aiming. Yeah, so I, I, it works perfectly fine for me. I, aiming is easy and intuitive. Turning around, it's, it has just that right sensitivity mm-hmm. where it just feels perfectly fine. Like, I haven't had any problems with the controls. Maybe in the beginning, um, I had an issue with using the action command because it's, it's set to the R button. But um, you could also just touch the top middle of the screen, of the touchscreen with the stylus. So I've just been using that instead because mm-hmm. I mean you're aiming with the stylus, so you. It's easier just to. You don't really yeah. have a finger to put up there unless you want to like put your pinky finger up there. Right, but then they, then you have that weird stretch going yeah, on. Yeah, so it's you're awkward. better off. I mean, you get used to it, and then it becomes like second nature. Yeah. Yeah, because um, R L becomes your your attack button. So. 
Right. It works out. I don't know. It, it's fun. So where does it rank like in your horror game hierarchy? Hmm. What's your top one? Resident it's, Evil? It's different. I don't know, because like, Resident Evil... It's more of an action game these days. Well, the... I don't know, it had its moments. Um, Revelations is still definitely like one of my favorites. That's probably... So how's this... There. I guess the better one... Because Re- this... Revelations definitely really got me into horror games in general. Like, right. If I hadn't played Revelations, I probably wouldn't have even... Yeah, I wouldn't have gone to Resident Evil 5, which wouldn't have gone to me Resident Evil 6, which wouldn't right. have gone to me... Now you're just going down Alien, the list of Alien, releases. Alien Isolation. So how's this compared really to Revelations, then? Keeping it on the same system, 3DS. Hmm. If you were, because they're both probably around the same price these days. So if you were, like Revelations was a full-fledged release, but it's dropped in price since. Yeah. So if you were compared to Dementia... I mean, compared to something like Revelations, is a pretty meaty game, though. That's true. Yeah, this is, a, this is an I mean, indie, smaller release. That's true. Yeah, because I mean, that game... Probably has, not fair comparison. No, definitely not. Because that game, like... Yeah, like budget wise, like that game has like a whole like multiplayer mode that it's that's almost true. as long as a campaign. That's true. And like fully... Crazy yeah. voice acting, but, it, but it's a, it, it's just a nice like different kind of experience. Like I mean, if if you're just kind of if you just want another like horror game to play, like I would recommend it, or just something more atmospheric on a system that doesn't really do much in terms of like atmosphere. Yeah, I mean you can't really go wrong with when to get kid, and there's like um like nice little nostalgia awesome mutant mode that could be just some Easter eggs. Oh, that's there. nice. That's cool. So you'd recommend uh, it? Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. Just um, just be aware for the controls. That's pretty much it. Like, but I mean, like you said, if you played Hunters, it can't be that bad. No, no, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it's like... And I know the controls can a lot of people, like, don't really like... Especially, like, especially with Kid Icarus. Mm. I mean, oh, like, don't get me started on that. But that's because it wasn't yeah, made for actually, that, that one was a little crazy. That's a bad example. That one's, like... But just, just any yeah. control that uses the combination of the buttons and the keyboard. I mean, I guess if you still have the... That cradle handy? I do. Yeah? I do. But, yeah. yeah. All right, well, sounds like a... It's like a 3D, and it runs very smoothly. I mean, yeah. It's well, that's like, something Ragged Kid's always been good at. It's, yeah, it's, it's like Moon Chronicles, but um, they... But scary. Yeah, but you, no, but you could tell they... Um, like, this one had more of a graphical overhaul than Moon did. Mm, interesting. Like, Moon, like, you could tell, like, some of the original... Like, everything was just kind of given a more crisper sheen. Like, maybe right. some things were retextured. But, like, the cutscenes were... Everything was given a major overhaul. Like, it looks pretty nice. It's It's cool. Cool. I'm gonna have to check that out actually, because I, I feel like it's a game like on DS. I always wanted to get, and I never. It's published by Gamecock as an actual publisher. Yeah. I always wanted to get, oh, but yeah, then yeah, I yeah. yeah, but then I just never got around to it. Same with Moon, more so Moon. But I feel like now I should really jump in on both. Like yeah. Ragged Kid, Ragged Kid's a great developer. I, I read something that uh, Jules was recently saying that um, their sales aren't as good as they used to be. So if you ever liked Ragged Kid or ever wanted to jump in, I'm talking to myself as much as anyone listening. Now's a good time to do it and show your support so they don't, before they... They love Nintendo, but, you know, if they can't sustain it, they can't sustain it, so... Yeah. I mean, stuff like Mute Muds will live on, but the the more mature stuff like this. So it might be a good time to buy it, listeners. And also, dear listeners, while I'm talking to you, we need to uh, discuss something very important, and as the winner of our $35 eShop credit giveaway. So, we asked you, and 52 of you responded, 53 of you responded... We asked you what your favorite Nintendo holiday memory was. And I have to admit, before we so pick our winner, you guys are awesome. Like, oh, I had man. so much fun reading these. Because, I mean, we, we laughed, all, we, we cried. We, 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 actually, there's really two emotions that occurred. That's true. But, um, yeah, no, it was, like, it was really cool. Because we obviously talk about Nintendo all the time. And we're just talking to each other and kind of to you, to you guys. But it, we're just kind of chewing it into the ether. So to actually hear back from you guys with your Nintendo stories and to see that, like, 
you have stories about like how Nintendo shaped your who you are or like brought your family together or just like a cool moment in like Nintendo your Nintendo gaming life that happens to be the same as say one moment I loved in mine. Like it's cool to see like that sort of two way street. So thank you everyone who entered. That was actually really, really fun to read. Probably definitely the most fun contest we've had as the curators of it. Um, and we can only pick one winner, but we had many favorites, so I did want to just shout out a few of our entrants. Um, for example, there's Amanda, who sneakily, uh, she found out she got her N64, she found out she's getting an N64 early, and sneakily, her parents were away at work a couple hours every day when she got home from school, so she would open the box, play Mario 64, close the box, put everything back in the paper, that was so awesome. and then sneak it back. I would and not do it. be down for that. I would not be down for that either. <laughs> and then do that every day leading up to her winter break until... Right before winter break, she felt guilty and then went back and erased her progress in Mario 64 so her parents would never know she did it. And then she <laughs> had to play it all over again on Christmas Day. Oh, man, I can only imagine, like, oh, why don't you play it right now in front of us? It's like, oh, no. It's so like, yeah, she has to act like she doesn't know what she's yeah. doing. Like, oh, what's this button do? But, yeah, no, I, I thought that was a funny story. There's also one from Brian who sent in a story about how, uh, I think it was his uncle got him a GameCube Mario Sunshine bundle. <laughs> uncle, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I misread, he, uh, I misread his post, and he's like my awesome uncle, and I read his Uncle Awesome, and I'm like, well, whose uncle's name's Awesome? But anyway, uh, yeah, so his, his uncle got him uh, Mario Sunshine GameCube bundle that came with a memory card. It was Christmas. They open it. They're like, where's the memory card? And they, it was in the game case, but they didn't want to open the game case because if it wasn't in the game case, how do they return the game once it's opened? So they actually all, his uncle like went to Target the next day, took the game with him, and it was like, there's no memory card. And they're like, it's in your game case, sir. So so that's a pretty funny one that they, he could, he basically couldn't play his new game for a day because of that, but then he did and loved it. So it was his first 3D Mario game, so that's kind of cool. Or there's also um Aaron, who we chat with on Twitter pretty often, is Sonic Tonic. Um, he he had a good one where his own parent, his own mom spoiled his Christmas gift. So in his household, it sounds like they have the, you do one the night before and one the, and the rest of the morning of. So the night before, she gave him what I guess he she thought was clothing, and it turned out to be Cruising USA for the N64, except he didn't yet have an N64. So he kind of figured out that under the tree, that huge box was an N64, and mom would not. Out. And even though he knew, oh yeah, he wrote out the, like, Cruising USA thing. Yeah, I think that was one of my brother's first games, too. So, like, as soon as I... I read that it was it just like took me back. Yeah, and speaking of brothers, another good one was from Dominic, who um, I think this was more of a birthday thing than a holiday thing. But he, when he was seven, his older brothers all pooled their allowance or money or whatever together to get him a Game Boy Advance, so nice. which is super nice. So like, there are a lot of touching stories like that, and there are a lot of people who are like, "Oh, it like brings my family together." Like, um, there is Akira Unreal who was saying that like first Zelda game was Twilight Princess. I think it was first. And now every, and like, uh, their parents watched them play with them. Like, it was like a communal thing for the whole family or something along those lines. And now every December, they replay Twilight Princess, which is really cool. And of course, the HD one when it comes out, which is really yeah. cool. Or like, uh, another good Zelda memory was uh, longtime listener Satoshi, who, uh, for, who always is very kind to leave comments on all of our episodes, and we appreciate that. But he was saying that... He, his first playthrough of Ocarina was very memorable. Ocarina of Time, just running through the field on Epona. And honestly, I have that exact same memory. Like, when I read that, I'm like, oh my god, that's, like, the most memorable thing about Ocarina for me, too. That's So it's kind of cool when, like, your memories mesh with someone else. But, of course, we can only pick one winner. So those are just a few of the highlights. There are a lot of other great ones, too. Someone, I'm blanking on their name, apologies, but they tried to um, plug their, not knowing, because they are young, how to plug in your Game Boy, tried to plug it into the headphone jack, and fried the Game Boy and then go buy a new one. <laughs> on 
uh, the day after Christmas. So that that's a pretty good one. So there are a lot of great stories. And again, we really appreciate it. It was really fun to read. Like, I think for contests going forward, we might try and do more, like, show and tell sort of situations like this. Because it was, yeah, it's, it's probably the most, it's weirdly gratifying is the best way to sum it up. But enough of, enough of making you guys wait. We should announce our real winner. Uh, his name is Ray Camacho, I believe. Sorry if I butchered your last name, Ray. And he shared a story that we can both relate to because it's how we became friends. So it's a bit of a biased pick, but it is our favorite. And uh, basically his story is in college. Him and his, what would then become his friends would all play Smash Bros. Brawl together, whether they lived in the dorm, whether they lived off campus, whatever it was, they played Brawl as a group. College ended, they parted ways, and then holiday of last year when Smash Bros. for Wii U came out, and this was his favorite in town memory, they all were in town for the holidays to visit family and whatnot, and they regrouped, and together they played Smash Bros. for Wii U, and he was saying, as he were, it was the end of one chapter of Smash Bros. Brawl and the start of the next chapter of Smash Bros. Wii U, and that is a freakishly close to our situation mirror of what our life yeah. was like, because, like... I met so many people through Melly. Yeah, and, and like our core group of friends, like there's like probably six in total that all that we always hang out together, mm-hmm. and it was Smash Bros. Like the one of my the guy lived the, my roommate junior year. I met because he came in and randomly spouted off a Smash Bros. stat to us when we were playing in my dorm room. Uh, so we became friends, and then like it's just like this whole web all because of, of friendships, all because of Smash Bros. Yeah, so some, that one, some of our friends that don't even necessarily like Smash Bros. still play with us. Because, yeah, because like just cause either it's the thing that we all do, and then we all became closer friends through that. So. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is an Intel holiday memory in the sense that it is a chance for him to reunite. And we do the same thing when our friends are in town. Like, everyone plays yeah. Smash Bros. Now so could, was, and, and now we could all play at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So, we now that there's eight players. So, yeah, it was that one. I think that one we're, we're giving the prize simply because it resonated so closely with our own personal experiences. But, again, thank you, everyone who entered. Um, a lot of these were extremely touching. Even the, even the Smash Bros. one had a very, like, like friend. Yeah, everything was very communal. You don't realize... Video games have that stereotype, and I'm not going to get too deep into this because I know we need to wrap up the show, but communities have that stereotype, or video games have that stereotype that's just like this dude alone in his basement talking online with some other person and they're just shouting obscenities at each other. And in reality, it's a very communal thing with family and friends where you're shouting obscenities in each other's faces, not online. But no, it's like, it's a very, video games are, you don't realize how social they are until you go and do something like this and every single memory that we got, or almost, I'd say at least 80%, someone like, you know, like, oh, my family did this, or my brother did this, and it was great. Or, like, my friends and I got to get together during the holidays and play Smash for the first time since graduating, which, again, we do. So it's, yeah, it was it was really cool to read, and it, it the gaming world's a cool one. It kind of goes nicely with the Game Awards stuff we were saying earlier. That's great that, one can, that video games can bring us all together like this. It's getting way too sappy. So I'm wrapping it up. Congrats, Ray. Look for an email in your inbox where we will tell give you your code for $35 on the eShop. And for everyone who didn't win... Keep an eye on Ram Nintendo because we're going to do other contests. I mean, you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You don't want to miss our next episode because we're going to be talking about Fast Racing Neo with full impressions. And since it's the end of the year, we're all... Oh, and of course, the Smash Bros. video presentation. We'll have our thoughts on that. And since it's the end of the year, we're going to be talking about um, our picks for the top games and moments of 2015. And maybe even look ahead to 2016 a bit more than we already have with NX and the Nintendo IP stuff. So it'll be a good episode. Don't miss it. Um, follow us online and also if you want to hear individual thoughts on stuff find me on twitter at jsr7 angel is wero w-e-r-r-o underscore o that's his meverse handle mine is jason r friend or follow us on there if you so choose we will be back in two weeks with stuff (laughs) and games